Vince Edwards and Will Struckman truly lived the dream of the combat infantrymen. Although some of those tours were extremely volatile, I think both men would explain their time in the Army as being almost exactly what they signed up for. And trust me, not everyone can say that. I served in an infantry unit. A lot of guys would say they didn't get what they signed up for. I will limit the particulars in this intro, as I feel they explain those details much better than I ever could. I'll admit that this was an extremely entertaining podcast for me, and there was something so incredibly refreshing about their separate styles of storytelling. They complemented each other so well that it seemed to me the relationship was almost symbiotic, which is truly indicative of the brotherhood they shared, only known by those who've been a part of it. This is not a podcast for the faint of heart. And if you're searching for the sirens of political correctness, you should probably just turn it off right now. (laughs) But I believe that this is one of the best looks you'll get into what it's like to be a grunt from two enlisted men that were able to take even the darkest of situations and somehow make them a bit lighter. If you're a civilian, you might not understand that, but the model in the infantry unit is laughing is better than crying. Now, Vince and Will don't make light a loss, but their ability to find humor in the worst of situations will be thoroughly understood by those who served in combat arms. And I I think I really need to mention that these two are intensely intelligent men. Since they've gotten out of the Army, they've committed themselves to creating swim-safe hearing protection in the form of wind-resistant earbuds called Capella Audio, and we'll provide a link in the description so you can check that out and all they've got going on there. And I think they'd admit that even though it's an extremely arduous undertaking, they're fully committed to creating the world's most reliable communication systems. And if anybody can do it, these two can. But I've already said way too much, as usual. (laughs) Here they are, without further ado, Vince Edwards and Will Struckman. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. Welcome to the Veterans Project Podcast. My name is Tim Kay, your host as always. Today we've got a couple of our friend Donald McAllister, Command Sergeant Major, 82nd Airborne. We got his buddies uh, who served with him, uh, Vince Edwards. Why am I waving? It's through the podcast, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and William Struckman. Off to a great start. We're off to and a we're great rolling. Start. We are rolling. <laughs> Guys, thanks for being with uh, with me here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having yeah, us. Appreciate we, it, man. Yeah, man. We're glad to have you. So you guys are both local to Fayetteville? Well, yes and no. Kind of transplanted here from, of course, military service. I'm from uh, a little place, a little ways north of Jacksonville, Florida, called Yulee. It's right across the border. And William is from Spokane, Washington, pretty much completely across well, the country. Spokompton. <laughs> yeah. Spokompton? Is, yeah, is it really rough? Uh, it can be, yes. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I don't think of Spokane. You don't think of tough, but... Uh, well, it's not so much tough as much as homeless and methy. Okay, yeah. methy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's not a that's not being pejorative terms. It's just it's not methy as in messy. It's like methy, like lots of meth. Yeah, lots of yeah, meth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Think Fayetteville Friday night after payday downtown. That's uh. methy. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're an people, alien. People call this. Uh, people call it Fayette Stan out here. Well, and Fayette, uh, Nam. Fayette Nam Fayette is Fayette the Nam, old school one. Okay. Yeah, oh, Fayette mm-hmm. Nam, I am for sure, man. I mean, yeah. does, it does get it does get rather dicey if you're not careful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got a brand new truck outside that's got a bullet hole in the side of it from coming home on Gadkin Road. I'm just saying. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wow. bought it. And I was coming back from the airfield a while back. I fly helicopters too, okay. and uh, I was coming back from the airfield and. Some dude just randomly blew out. He and his buddy blew out of a parking lot. I don't know if they robbed the place or what they did, but shot across Yadkin Road. Anybody that's from Fayetteville knows where you're talking about when you say Yadkin Road. And he reached back with a pistol and was aiming back at the store he had just left. And they hit the curb on the other side. And this dude was like, you know, pencil thin. He was holding the Mac 10. So that's a heavy gun. Oh my God. And when he did it, he hit the curb on the other side. And when he hit the curb on the other side, the uh, pistol hit the roof of the car. He was out the window looking back at the place, and the pistol hit the roof of the car, and sure enough, it hit the ground when the round ran off, Jeez. and then it bounced off the ground and went right under my left foot. And I was like, oh, you son of a... Wow. I, like, I can't do nothing about it, but hey. Wow, jeez. You know. Welcome to the NOM. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we want we obviously want to start with your lives before where you came from and talk a little bit about the past and what brought you here to where you're at now and, and through your military service. So... We'll uh we'll let William uh start it off. Will, Will, yeah, mm-hmm. I know, I know. Because listen, I know Vince's story is going to be like two days long. Oh yeah, so. yeah, yeah, truth. <laughs> no, not wrong. So, I, so I want to hear William. What what brought you into the military? Can you kind of talk about how you grew up and what yeah, did you hear? Absolutely. So as far as my father's considered, uh, I was growing up like backwoods and with a, a, a lot of good, deep morals and stuff like that. So the military was kind of aimed towards me. As far as my uh, my family goes, though, my father passed away when I was 15 years old. So I was left on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. did a lot of construction and things like that nature. As I got older, I figured that I needed college and a better foundation for myself. So I joined the military. It was kind of Almost perfect for me to get into. And from there, after the military, this guy showed me a a project that he was working on where he attached some hearing protection to some earbuds. And I saw a huge project in that, and I really developed on it, but we'll get into that later. Mm, Okay, so so Will, what do you remember about your parents and what they instilled in you from a young age? Because you said you kind of had a morally pretty strong background. What do you remember about your parents and what they instilled in you that led you to the Army? So being a truthful person, honor, um, integrity, and challenging yourself a lot. Those were really important things in competition, being the best and striving to be the best that you could be, both on a a spiritual level, but also uh, competitively with other people. Mm, okay. Mm. And you, so you joined infantry right away? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I looked at going like Ranger Special Forces and uh, th- that whole route. But after I got into the infantry and I found out exactly what it was about, it was pretty much a perf- perfect fit. Mm, okay. And so when you got, when you got into infantry, you went to boot camp at, or basic training at Fort Benning, right? Mm-hmm. And wh- where did you go from there? So from Benning, I went to Third ID over at Fort Stewart, which is in southern Georgia. And uh, that was my home for my entire time that I was in service. But back then, if you weren't training, then you were going on rotation to go overseas. So it was a really fast-paced and competitive place to be. It was mm. phenomenal. You liked it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Vince, over to you, man. What's that? Uh... <laughs> He's going to wave Vince, it again like Vince, an idiot. First of all... <laughs> 
I love those flagged out silkies. Oh those yeah, are beautiful. Dude. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always keep it patriot, keep it happy about America, man. It's the greatest place on the planet to live. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, even times right now, it's still better than every place else. Yeah, <laughs> I promise. Definitely. Agree. I mean, you know, I was telling, we were talking about that stat earlier. You know, four percent of the world population actually lives in a real democracy. I mean, that's stunning, man. When you think about it, we're losing, you know, in a lot of places are losing that completely. Yeah. So, you know, we, we are, are privileged all of us to have, you know, fought for one of the greatest fighting forces the planet's ever seen. Yes, sir. Vince, uh, what, what led you, did you kind of follow a parallel path? Or? Well, mine was a little different to be honest with you. It came in and, uh, before, it was in 2001 when I came in, and I came in in, like, May of 2001. I joined the Florida oh, before Army. September. Yeah, right. yeah. So my entire goal was my, I wanted to fly helicopters. So I started off in the Florida Army National Guard, and I used to fix Apaches, and that was literally the most boring thing you can ever do. <laughs> You're a penguin. Yeah. You know, you have wings, but you can't fly. It's dumb. Um, it's not as cool as you thought it was. Nowhere near. And, I, you know, I, I came in under the guys that – you're going to go and you're going to be a warrant officer and we're going to send you to fly helicopters. And you know how the army is, man. Once they got you, they don't care. They got you. You're there. Oh, yeah. um, so when I found out after we had started the invasion, you know, we did 9-11, um, we were all activated and it was, it was a pretty hairy time for a little while here, especially in, you know, in Jacksonville. I mean, it wasn't, it's not like it's dangerous, but at the same time, we didn't know what was going to go on. And uh, we were fixing birds and getting them in the air. And then I found out after we were kicking off the invasion in Iraq that my unit was going to Bosnia. I mean, <laughs> why am I going to go to Bosnia, man? Dudes are over there putting foot to ass in Iraq and, and Afghanistan. We're going to Bosnia. We're in Apaches. Yeah. Where are we going? We're to Bosnia. We're going to shoot freaking tomatoes at people from a 30 millimeter. You guys are crazy. <laughs> so I, uh, right after that, in uh, 2003, I decided to reclass. And I re reclassed and went active duty. I wanted to be an infantryman because if I'm going to be in a fight, I want to be in the fight. Mm. You know, I'm yeah. like, if you're going to fight, fight. So did that, went to Fort Campbell, deployed in 05 and 06, met my wife, Jessica, uh, while we were deployed. Then we went from uh, Campbell to Stewart, and I went to 3rd Infantry Division and linked up with this weirdo over here. Hey, oh. <laughs> um, Broken TV. Yeah, so. man, I'm telling you, dude, it was absolutely amazing. Some of the best some of the best soldiers I ever had. I love my boys in the Deuce. I love my guys that are rocket songs with me, um, but I'll tell you, as far as just straight up hold them down by the neck and, and make sure that all your boys come home. My boys in third ID were all over it. Mm. I had a, you know, four, six, four guys. Uh, the, we were in Bravo company and we were attached to a cyclone company and we just, we wrecked house, man. It was great. I mean, we did, we did what we were sent to do. That's awesome. You know? What were your, uh, will you, so was your first tour the same as Vince's first tour? No, no, no. So he had one originally before that. Okay. Um, but by the time we linked up in the area that we were going to and the leadership that we had, just the stars were were aligned mm. for success. Cool. And Vince, what do you remember about that first tour that you went on? Everything. Absolutely everything. I mean, lost uh, lost one of the craziest kids I ever knew, a kid we had named Drew Kempel. You know, I've got buddies that you've uh, you've done podcasts with. I've before. heard of Drew, yeah. I think Justin so, talked yeah, I mean, about him. Yeah. yeah, Drew was Drew was hilarious and there's never seen somebody so pasty and Irish that was just willing to show up butt naked in front of your door and fight you at three in the morning because he'd been out drinking all night. He wasn't even twenty one, but man, he was just wild. I love that kid. Yeah. He and I were always in competition, be best gunners like for two forties for machine gunners and he was just a that kid was crazy. I yeah. loved him to death. But, you know, he passed away, and uh, it's just part of it, – it's a sad truth and the reality of what, what you do when you're there is 
you, you sign up not to die, but you know that it's a risk that you take going into it. Right. You know? This is something that and it happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. So you just you just kind of deal with it. What yeah. was what was your particular? What were you guys tasked out to do when you were? So the first time we were there, um, and Angel, we were Angel Company three one eight seven. First time, and uh, we were originally we were detached from the rest of the battalion, and our company went and we did uh, the we basically guarded what was known as FOB Union three. It was in the green zone, mm. and it was where we held the trial for Saddam Hussein. It was very high profile, but fortunately we had a, it was a great unit and squared away guys and my NCOs were on point. All my, all my Joes were awesome. Everybody that I had were just really good guys. I feel like I was like the most lackluster guy that we had there. Everybody <laughs> else was outstanding. They were just really good locked on dudes. At the same time, we did that. We finished and then we moved north to, to crit and we took over a battle space uh, for the actual city of Tigrit with a artillery battalion, which not to knock on my artillery guys, but being an infantry guy in an infantry company stationed with an artillery battery is just everybody's infantry till it's time to do infantry stuff, you know, mm. and it just, it becomes a pain, but I mean, we still love the guys, you know, they're yeah. part of our team. And that's where I met my wife. I mean, best damn thing that ever happened to me. You met her in Iraq? Yeah. As a matter oh, of wow. fact, she was our interrogator. Uh, she was a little, <laughs> so and then in you Iraq sh- and an interrogator, yeah. and then you stupid, married her, <laughs> stupid, you know, I mean, dumb, you know, dumb as hell. I mean, it, it, my uh, wife do and, make some bad decisions. Dude, tell me about it, man. I swear to God, dude. I, you know, I'll tell you, I proposed to her and I was drunk. And that's, I think the only reason I had the balls, honestly, to propose to her because they ain't damn gray goose, man. I'm telling you, it'll get you every time. But, uh. No, man, she's a, she's an absolute monster, dude. I mean, you never know it looking at her, talking to her, but I've seen her make men cry. Yeah. Just talking to them. I'm you sure. know, it's, we, and I hated her. Oh, God, I hated her. For, I hated her so much at first because we go out and we catch a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. We catch the bad guy and we bring him back in. And, and, you know, I, I, a couple of the times I got hit, we get hit by IEDs. And, and I remember this one guy, he was like, freaking 285 years old dude i don't know what the hell he was doing out there i don't know if somebody just propped him up out there and uh so we went by this bus station and he wasn't standing in the bus station we knew he was waiting for a bus but he's like 100 yards from it and i remember looking at my guys and you know, javon howard and uh, eric hilmo and my uh i'm not gonna mention his name because he's in some he's in some heat right now Uh-oh. so we're riding in the humvee <laughs> remember now, see this guy standing outside. This dude's got some Coke bottles, dude. If he had thick glasses, this dude should have seen the future. You know, they were so <laughs> damn thick. I was like, well, what is he looking at? He's got to see what's about to happen. And we were looking at uh, Howard. Howard's on the gun. And uh, I said, Howard, dude, if we get hit, shoot that dude right there. And he's like, yeah, man. I mean, he's his third ID guy. He's just, <laughs> yeah. he, had, he was an awesome guy. And I was like, yeah, man, if we get hit, I'm going to burn that dude down i'm like all right we'll see <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. we rolled by this uh the bus station right after we had passed this guy up and we'd asked him like hey man what's going on up here i remember it rained that morning he said blah, 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 blah. i didn't understand what the hell he's saying yeah. so he went on and we just we moved by the lieutenant's vehicle moved out and then the secondary vehicle moved out and i was in the third vehicle and oh well, goosh <laughs> we got hit wow. it rolled us up on our side and i just I floored it, and I remember Howard, who was just ready to, he's going to mow down the earth. I looked down behind me, and I'm trying to get the vehicle back on two wheels. 
my RTO Helmo's in the back. He was our fister. He's like, Vinny, hit the gas. I'm like, bro, it don't go no faster. And I'm looking <laughs> at Howard instead of being on the, we had an M60 Delta old school. Yeah. And uh, instead of him being up, you know, I'm going to chop him down, do that. I don't blame him. It's smart to do this, but he jumped down inside the Humvee, pulled himself down, and he grabbed that big hump in the middle of the Humvee and was hanging on for dear life. <laughs> and we just, we drove out the kill zone and we got out the kill zone. I'll never forget looking at uh that guy the tc <laughs> the base plate for the round the base the bottom of the round that blew us up on the ied goes through the roof of, or the uh the hood of the home and just wow. like, say, hey man watch out and i went out and grabbed one out and we went out and grabbed the guy brought him back and put him in the in the uh vehicle zip tied him got him out there replaced the tires dude we were like nascar nascar pit cars at that point we've been hit so many times we could change out a tire fast you know, <laughs> fast about it and uh so i bring him back i put him in there i give him to the interrogator aka my jessica and she she's in there for like three minutes this dude is confused as hell he's just he's old and he's already been had taken from the north part of Tikrit. he's probably never left there right we bring him back and dude's like jess is like why'd you bring me this guy i said that was the guy that was standing there i'm like she goes, well, he didn't have anything to do with it. I said, but he knew he was there. She goes, you think anybody's going to tell you they know there's a bomb there? They're not going to kill him, too. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> well, he should have said something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, would you say anything? I'm like, I don't know. I hope so. But you know, you're probably right. So we let him go. You know, he didn't have anything to do with it. He's 400 years old, dude. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't fart dust whenever it blew up. He probably did. We just didn't see it. It was scary. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah. how long was that tour? Uh, the first one I did was 12. 12, okay. And then my uh, right hand, old daughter Solchek over here, William, our second tour was 15 months. Okay. But we got pretty squirrely. Mm, yeah. <laughs> we got pretty gamey out there, man. Yeah. We were cagey as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Will, William, what are your what are your memories of that tour? Oh, well, that deployment, we had a spectacular mission. So I would have never expected for a regular uh, infantry unit to be where we were. Uh, it, it was pretty spectacular. So not only was our mission to capture a city and get their shit together, but to also catch pretty much every and any bad guy that came across any list. There were dudes that we caught that people had been looking for since the beginning of the war that we were able to find. And it was absolutely spectacular and unreal Abu to be able to. Oh, yeah, man. Good old Abu. Abu Narges. Yeah, man. So it was an absolute amazing experience to have to be able to do things that uh, most other people during that time never even had a chance or opportunity to do anything like that. And we were actually on the front lines of what even like some special forces teams and stuff would have been wanting to do. We actually got to accomplish. Yeah, no, man, we even got to fight some of the uh, biggest snipers that were over there that you actually got in briefings on before you even left the country that these guys were out there. Wow. And we got to fight them and win. Wow. So mm. are these, you know, who are these guys? Like Chechens, like Iraqi? There were a couple different rumors. I don't know if it's necessarily uh, official to talk about yet, but uh, there were rumors that they might have been syrian or maybe russian or something of that nature but we can't officially say i i don't think we're allowed to say officially where they came from yet right right vince what do you what do you remember about that deployment there was a lot man so i, I was a young nco when i got there the biggest thing was finding my own path on how i was going to be a leader how i was going to teach my guys how i was going to get everybody home 
you're when you get to that point, your primary concern becomes just making sure your kids get home. You know, and more than anything else, all you want is to not have to be that guy that's going to visit somebody's family at the end of the day when you come home. In all honesty, I loved it. It sucked being there for 15 months. My wife and I had just gotten married, and she was in country with us, and she was 20 miles south of me, and Mm. I got to see her twice. I got to see her for uh, our mid-tour leave, and I got to see her when she got promoted to sergeant. Wow. And, of course, (laughs) I punched the crap out of her when she got you know when you get you when you get your pins your rank yeah, you know yeah. you're uh-huh. wham and everybody looked at me like oh my god he just abused his wife i'm like bro come on man it's one chance i'm gonna get to punch her and not get in trouble y'all shut up <laughs> so yeah that happened but yeah. it was such a great mission he will's right i mean some of the best some of the best guys and i love my rocket songs don't get me wrong i love my kids from the deuce but man them guys that i work with and and in four six four, I mean Serrano, my, my platoon sergeant. Not just was, that, but also just the mission set that we the got. mission set. Dude. I mean, if we were literally catching spies and stuff dude, yeah. from around the world, man. It was it I was mean, wild. I mean, it was wow. one of those where you don't think about you, you, you don't think about it when you're in it, but uh, we were we were getting intel from outside sources. We were getting intel from from operational guys that we can't talk about, right? And we would get actionable intel, and we would go, and they'd be like, hey. This guy's going to be here at this time. We need you over here at this time. We're like, okay, Roger. And we'd go. Solder City went nuts. We were in a, a place called Rizala. It was just south of Biop. And it was it was just as wild where we were at, you know. I mean, uh, Al Sadr. Uh, so we lost to Brad. Had one of our Bradleys get hit. And that was probably, if you want to talk about the most memorable thing out of all of it, was uh, the night that we lost that. We had five kids total pass away. Jeez, uh, wow. Four of them died there, and one went septic, and McCoy went septic, and Walter Reed and passed away about what, like a month later, I want to say. Yeah, Eros Market was the other really he, morbid thing that happened. Yeah, but. we lost those kids. Bradley burned. Mm. Um, me, the platoon sergeant, the PL pulled what we could out of them. We were only able to extract three of them because the turret melted around another one, and we couldn't get them out. We didn't have body bags. We had to run bed sheets wow. from from a house next door. I don't want to get too further into that just because there's a lot of stuff in there that I don't want to talk about at least on record <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, but uh yeah and then when we had the uh the arrows market go off when what was that will you tell that one man that Jesus was a, I think that was like uh what 170 180 it people was a, ended up getting it was uh, an unreal number of personnel what happened yeah. was one of those guys uh Jay Shimadi tried to blame AQI Al-Qaeda Iraq I think it was, or one of the other cells. Well, the Sunnis and Shiites, yeah, Sunni. uh, they didn't want to fight us anymore because, again, we were whooping ass. We were winning. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't want to have anything to do with us. Right. So to try and revalidize the area to, to fight at least anybody or anything, they staged an incident where they loaded up a bomb or loaded up a bomb in a vehicle and blew it off in a busy market, and they tried to make it appear that... It was a false uh, flag, is exactly right. what it was. It was a false flag. precisely mm. what they did. Wow. Yeah, they false flagged uh, one, of their own, uh, one of their own combatants to try and revitalize the area into fighting us. Jeez. And it turned out totally Oh, brutal. God, it was just... It was that was just terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't mean to wild. chuckle when I say terrible, but my God, dude, when you talk about absolute carnage, that was... I mean, there was there was people who were vaporized. I mean, yeah. vaporized. I mean, you yeah. hit them with like a it was like a two hundred pound yeah. uh, HME bomb. Wow, just absolutely huge. They filled the entire trunk with it and blew it, and it vaporized people. There was a there was wow. a lady there trying to pick up what part she had of her kids, 
and just scoop them up and she's sobbing her eyes out. I mean, what do you, what can you do? You're, you're wading up to your ankles and what was left of people. Oh, I've never had a command call before where it's, Hey, check your boots and leave them outside for pieces of meat yeah. because it'll rot in your room. Yeah. Wow. You know? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's heavy. What do you remember about that call? You guys were nearby, or were you on? Were you, where were you at when that? We QRF'd on that one. Yeah, okay. yeah. Same thing with the Bradley that went off. It was yeah. a QRF, and they didn't tell us that it was one of our vehicles that got hit. Uh, they didn't want us freaking out or panicking or anything like that. So, there's a truck hit. It's on fire. Uh, yeah. it, here's your mission set. Let's go out there and do it. What and, was your What was your feeling when you got there, Will? Oh, it was. Oh my God. Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Well, just to see a Bradley on fire like that is yeah. unreal itself. You wouldn't think that something like a tank could catch fire like that right. to where the internal heat was so high that the top of it had actually melted into the lower section of it. it it's unreal to picture something like that. Yeah, yeah. The, but, people don't understand. I mean, you know, you can address sacrifice all day. Mm. But then the actual tangible sacrifice that's made and now, the pain and the, the, the go that you go well, through. Well, I'll tell you that as far as the pain goes, uh, you don't have time to deal with that right then and there. Yeah. Um, your job is to get the mission done. And if you're well-trained, you won't get sidetracked by that. You'll do your mission. You'll get everything done. And then when you get back to the barracks, it's time to uh, really focus on <laughs> what the hell just happened and what you did. Right. And this this was all in solder. Mm. Uh, this is in uh, this is in Rosala. Yeah, that actually... one was in Rosala. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. But the the market that, that was, was in that was in Rosala too, man. Mm-hmm. That wow. was in Rosala. Yeah, yeah Rosala and uh, Sedia are about uh, about a twenty minute drive in between the two areas. Not even, not yeah. even. They yeah. actually they border wall on each other. Eight two nine was uh, right there next to on the one outside borders of uh, on the western border of Sedia. But if you look at it, if you were looking at a map of Baghdad if you saw where uh where Baghdad International Airport was if you look straight south and the next town over after you get through that big open desert area that was Rosala and wow. uh, it was a uh, we had and I'll tell you man it's all the funniest thing you talk about when you everybody's oh the Iraqi soccer dash. dude we had the 352 Shirt and the Colonel Assam and those guys man those dudes we're on it. Those guys actually gave a crap. We work with those guys. Everybody talks about how bad Iraqis are, man. No, mm-hmm. hell no, dude. These guys were about it. Yeah. All they wanted to do was be able to live free and go home and not have to worry about getting murked at their house. Mm. That's it. That yeah. was actually one of the most fascinating things that I saw about the whole damn war is that uh, majority of the people over there, as long as you didn't fuck with their internet, <laughs> their water, or their power, they, they were totally cool with you. Yeah. Yeah. Until you run a until you run a damn Bradley through their wires, or one of the when we start getting M raps and stuff, we're like, yeah. "Oops, sorry!" And then man, you cut all their wires and their power yeah, off. You mess up somebody's way to relax at the end of the day, and they're pissed at you. Yeah, yeah. very, yeah. very upset. <laughs> well, and and Vince, what do you what do you remember about that uh, going out for QRF and you know going into the market and dealing with that? The market. Um, for me, it was just when I got out there, it was just a lot of sad, sad, sad people, you know. Yeah. And we didn't do much, I mean, because we weren't picking people up. Yeah, there that. was nothing you could There's do. There's nothing we could do. It's basically go out there and pull security for the yeah. uh, for the medical guys to come out there and the Iraqi National Police to come out there and do what they could do. 
I mean, because I'm not going to be sorry. I'm gonna, I'm there wasn't many up. wounded. Majority no, of them were dead. Almost everybody was dead. <laughs> it was yeah. just huge, huge, huge explosion. Huge is amazing. It was the biggest explosion ever. It was a massive <laughs> explosion. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, that that explosion was just. Yeah, man, hey, was that was that before or after Solder City or before the the bat the Solder battle? Was that it was after. it was after? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's after everything you go. We had, you know, we had literally put yeah. foot to ass. Right, mm. they, they did not want to fight us. They anymore. didn't want to fight with us anymore. You know. Yeah, and, talk talk about that. The battle oh my, of Solder. Yeah. Oh my God. So like I said, we were in Rosala. Same deal. Same thing. Um, after they hit that. Okay, so they hit that Brad, right? And that was kind of a mark for them to. Uh, they saw that. The next day, we pulled back. We went back to the cop. We didn't do any patrols. Most time, we were up to what, like three patrols a day. Right? Yeah, they didn't allow us to go out. They didn't let at us all. go out because they were afraid that the scunion would be brought. You know what the scunion is, right? The scunion is like revenge, pure, simple, unadulterated, blissful revenge in order to make yourself feel better for all the shit that you've seen. Pardon my French, but that's what it is. The scunion right. is there. And the scunion is a way of dealing with things whenever it's gotten so bad that you're sick and tired of humanity. That's what the scunion is about. Yeah. And uh, so they pulled us all back. They made us all sit back at the cop. The boys got killed on Easter Sunday night. As a matter of fact, did you hear the president uh, with the State of the Union address this last one? He actually talked about it. And I've never heard anybody else talk about it except for except for us, yeah. the guys that were on the ground. Nobody else talked about it. And. You know, everybody hates him, but I tell you what, that guy, that guy tore my heart out when he talked about Chris Hake and them. He had Chris Hake's uh, son and his oh, wow. wife there in the audience at the State of the Union address, and he talked about the entire incident. And I was on a flight back from work, and I was listening to the State of the Union. And they were bald like a freaking child. Like I was like, somebody bring me a bourbon or two, please. And the flight attendants were like, "What's wrong?" I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> and then I told them what happened, and they were like, "Holy crap!" I'm like, "Yeah, man." So bring me some freaking bourbon, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that's but your guy. Exactly. And so I'm listening to him relive the story. It was just like just a just a knife, but a, a wow. knife of how would you put it? If you were thinking about somebody pulling something out of you that was an ultimate relief, you know, and a pain, it hurt, but a tumor. A t- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I dig the analogy. That could be work. Thanks, thanks for making it wi- really real, Will. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so, but anyway, so we get done, you know, we get done. We pull, Anyway, go back to the day after. Um, we pull back. We're at the cop. We're not doing anything. We're sitting there. Me and my boys are all just loading magazines and prepping. We know it's going to come. We know it's coming. Right. And about 6 o'clock. Five o'clock, six o'clock that night, and you know, BC's out there, Bradley, uh, the uh, battalion commander's out there, Sergeant Major out there, and then we start hearing that boom. What the hell? These dudes are out there because we're not there. The the Jay Shimadi apparently all solders like, yeah, come on out, everybody fight. Americans aren't here; they're not doing anything. We rocked them, and <laughs> so they went out. And they started just really screwing up our IMP and half yeah. our IMP. The one five two, they left. They were like, screw this. Duh, they're killing us and the Americans aren't helping. We're out, dude. They yeah. popped smoke and, fucking, and they rolled. Wow. And uh, so then it became a fight for us. We were, and then we hadn't even left yet. 352 is getting rolled up. They're coming in the cop. There's dudes that are got like, they're getting 
just shot to hell. One of them's got a chunk missing out of his rib cage. You could see his, you could see all the blood and, and bubbles and stuff. Wow. Our platoon sergeant was like, he was like, <laughs> walks up to me. I'll never forget this. One. This dude comes up to me. He's like, Midge, they call me Midge Noon. I mean, it's crazy over there. Yeah. And it's like, that's what it says right there. I'm like, Midge Noon. I'm like, Lesh Sadie. I'm like, look at him. I was like, Lesh Arif. I'm like, what, Sergeant? And he's a buddy of mine. We used to bum pine cigarettes back and forth, you know, yeah. or Miami's, whatever we had on us at the time. He's holding his chest with his left hand on his left side. He takes a drag off his cigarette. He pulls his hand away, and the bubbles and smoke come out. <laughs> just see like, smoke yeah. coming out and of I'm this tr- fist-sized hole. Yeah, like I'm trying bastard. to keep it straight. You know, I'm like, oh, because the dude, if you freak out, he might freak out. I'm like, mm, right. that's not good. Hey, man, let's yeah. get you fixed up. Mm-hmm. And then our platoon sergeant, that old booger I was telling you about before we started a podcast, he's like 475,000 years old. <laughs> like, he, he he used to do airborne operations off of pterodactyls old, you know what I mean? Like petrodons. This dude rode brachiosauruses into combat and stegosauruses. That's how he qualified main gun stegosaurus tail, you know? Yeah. Anyway, this old bastard walks up to this dude, and this dude's like, yeah, it shows me these bubbles and smoke and blood coming out. And Serrano takes his finger and goes, pokes it. He goes, oh, man, that's not good. You might not, you're probably going to die, man. Oh, no, he did tell him, oh, you're going to fucking die, man. I'm trying, oh to, my. I'm trying to keep it clean. Oh, he's like, you're going to die. And the dude grabs his shit and he's like, oh, it falls over. We, oh. end up, we end up saving him. We saved most of these guys. And then, you know, it's, it's it can't be more than 10 minutes of these guys pouring into the cop. And uh, we're, we're, you know, trying to stabilize them, getting ready for medical evac. We're going to, we're going to bring them all back to a uh, Falcon and get them set and get them taken care of. And this, <laughs> all of a sudden we start taking 60 fire. These dudes are dropping 60 millimeter mortars on a cop. I mean, just dropping them on us. Wow. Like just, and we're there behind the school. So we can't do anything. We can't shoot through the school. I mean, not that there's kids in there because, you know, but whatever, I can't get up there with a 50 cal just blasting away. So they take the brads and maneuver around them and, and scorch earth those dudes and burn them down. And then, the uh the brads are rolling back in and we're gearing up you know and we were i'm i'm barely in any kind of a uniform you know, i have shoes and i got some pants on and i got a plate carrier and a helmet and nods and that and, like, and then uh put on my throw on my mic throw on my radio and everything else and we go out dude and we stayed out until the sun came up the next day and wow. we just dude yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we did the dude. We we dispensed justice. Yeah. <laughs> Will, what do you do you remember that? Oh dear God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good time for the whole platoon, man. Um Yeah, did you pers- did you, you know, personally did you enjoy yourself out there? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There is nothing like so I think a lot of the guys that have the sad war stories are people. This is going to sound like shit. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. You weren't that good at your job. Um, Mm. If a bunch of your guys got fucked up, maybe you should have trained better. Well, it's it's not just that, though. Their their situation, I mean, circumstances happen, but at the same time, a lot of those IEDs and a lot of stuff like that, like we read the situations and scenarios and we came out on top. A place where almost everybody else who came through our area, they got messed up and we didn't. Yeah. And that wasn't just luck. No, no. Certainly not. Well, there's... I'll tell you, and this is just me, if you don't mind. I just, I think, I think a lot of it has to do, uh, you know, the the guys with the that get PTSD and they get sad and they get hurt, you know, or they or they hurt themselves. Um, bro, we lost friends, but man, we were able to get out there and exact some revenge. A lot of these guys, you know, you get hit and you guys get hurt and the guys die and your your friend just dies and you don't get to 
you don't get to trudge around in the in the in the guts of the dude that just tried to kill your friend or somebody that's related to them that right you know we get to exact a little and i hate saying revenge but you do when it, there's a something a lot well, right more. so like happened with that bradley we caught the guy who stole the blueprints to the bradley and gave that information we caught the guys who made the bomb that was designed to go underneath that bradley like that, the, that whole Bradley incident was actually done to a scientific standpoint. Yeah, they hit very, it with a, they hit it with an EFP at mm. an exact angle. Yeah, mm, wow. So it, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. And you got those guys. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah, we got every one of them. Yeah. Man. Yeah, I think there's you know the, the psychology that's really interesting because you know you talk about the World War II generation all the time about how they a lot of those guys would tell you that they don't have PTSD. Most mm-hmm. uh, most of them will. Yep. Um, but I think there's something about the victory factor of that, of knowing you won, right? It's like, absolutely huge. And in that moment, you guys knew that you won that battle and you were able to get those guys back. Like, well, like, let's just talk about for ancient Rome and something like that, right? Do you think any of those guys marched back with PTSD? Mm. Do you think that they were sorrowed? Or were they hailed as victors when they came back to their Definitely villages? Definitely hailed as victors, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And that has a lot to do with to play with either the victim or victor mentality. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like that perspective. So so those days after that, guys, what happened? Uh, how, you were there for 15 months, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So is that pretty much it for Sodder? Well, it... it it did. It quieted down a lot. Yeah. After that, which was an amazing thing too, though, because we also got to see like uh, females driving around yeah. without hijabs. Yeah. We had the first bank open back up. Yeah. The first Sadia. bank from the entire all of Iraq. The first bank to open up was in Sadia, which was one that of the neighboring most place. dangerous yeah. areas mm. there was. Mm. And we got it together. You and guys, it was amazing to see that accomplishment. That's really cool. You you guys talked about. Um, Third ID, the, the, the culture's a little different there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Is there something to that that you think fit really well for that situation? You and bet. What you're dealing uh, with Sodder? We, we were the bastard sons. We're the, we're the bastard soldiers. Uh, you're not like the, 81, the 82nd or the 101st or anything like that where you have a huge reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as your mission set, that's all actually dictated by your division past. So if there's a high expectancy for failure, they're not going to send 101st or 82nd out there to do that because they have a certain reputation that's supposed to be carried around mm-hmm. versus something like 4th ID, 3rd ID, throw them in whatever. It doesn't first, really matter either ID, way. 1st ID. Any, <laughs> right. Any of the mechanized units that you run into, I mean, are, I mean you're, you're not as... Regardless of past, you're still in a mechanized unit, and I'm not trying to down my mech boys because I love it, you know. I mean... It's you're not as prestigious as the 101st and the 82nd, and not even Mm. so much as the the failure rate or anything of that. And it's the fact that you have well, it's not even just that, Will. It's Mm. it's you have the stigma attached to your shoulder sleeve insignia. You know, Mm -hmm. people look at you and they say, "Oh, that guy's in the 82nd Airborne Division," and it's it's America's Guard of Honor. You know, is when you look at them, they are America's Guard of Honor. They're the people that you look to for. Left, right limits. These are the guys that are squared away. These are the guys that know what they want. Mm-hmm. 101st, similar, just gross and leggy. You know, you don't <laughs> actually get out of an aircraft unless you're climbing out of it one time. And I, I, I love my rockasons, but hey, man, they ain't jumped since the uh, since Vietnam. So right. when you get into third ID territory, you start getting those mech territories. 
you start getting into an area where you learn how's a good way of putting this. You learn to fight, fight, fight. Not mm-hmm. saying that my boys in the deuce didn't fight. But when you got them, when you're 82nd, you got a lot more support. People look at you a lot more. People want to help you out because you're the 82nd. Nobody wants to help third ID. Yeah. Anytime we need to talk about third ID, everybody's like, oh, those dummies just rolled through Baghdad <laughs> and they just went on a blitzkrieg on their own because they're stupid. <laughs> well, it's because they went up there and they wanted to go put foot to ass in the name of freedom and dom- democracy. Uh-huh. But, yeah. or, or you get a, a wild ass tank crew that won't get off their tank running a 120 smoothbore. Mm-hmm. That's something to see come around the corner. Yeah. That's something cool. I mean, you know, so I get it. You know, we're all cool and, and we all jump out of airplanes and all that. But, dude, you get a whole different capability when it comes to a mechanized world. Them dudes, and they're, and they're gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God almighty, third ID, them dudes were gangsters. I mean gangsters. I mean like gold teeth and yeah. and, and, and just straight up just thugs, dude. Yeah. But it, but there's a certain time that thug needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, nobody's nobody's everybody's looking at my, Mac over there because Mac's a sergeant major of a, a prestigious unit. There's sometimes when you need to be dress right dress, and there's sometimes when you need to be gangster as hell. Mm-hmm. And when you're gangster as hell, and people know it, they tend to screw with you a lot less. Yeah, yeah. And when they do, as previously stated, they know the scunion is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's just how it goes. I mean, yeah, what you were able to deliver in a place where oh most God. people were scared to go. I mean, yeah. you hear people talk about Sodder City, like, that's ghost town. Yeah. Like, oh. You don't want to go there. They were. So even it's, as far as, like, what we were considered, we weren't actually even considered infantry. We're actually called a task force. Yeah, they had so, us as a, a task force gambler was what we were called. Right. Okay. Uh, I've heard of that. A, it's a, a joint force unit that we were. So you had tanks, you had Bradleys, you had light infantry and mechanized infantry into one unit so as far as like mission accomplishment well, that's was, combined arms battalion but right yeah. yeah there there was literally as far as the company's considered you have everything, you have everything. of every style All in one little compartment interesting bro i tell you the best thing in the world when you're getting when you're pinned down you know there's bad dudes all over the roof and you see an abrams come around power sliding yeah, around the turn yeah <laughs> yeah that's and cool. it, in the in the in the tc up on top of it with a manual gun just going i'm like oh my god it's what we call the murder boner Mac, do you remember murder boners? Uh-huh. He, he's like my Deborah in the in the studio here. Uh, yeah, like, like Howard Stern's Deborah, except for, <laughs> except for cuter. He's not even paying attention. So, what do you remember about the rest of that tour? It was fifteen months. Yeah, it was yeah. fifteen months. A lot of it was really fantastic. Um, my my first deployment, man, he was busy, and we got just so much accomplished. My second deployment was absolutely terrible, boring as hell, mm. but uh, there was no contact or combat or anything like that. But as far as my first deployment goes, it was day in, day out. It, more than anything, I remember it being very, very tiring because as far as your mission sets, you were doing at least two missions a day, and at least. And if you were doing security for the cop, combat outpost then you at least were doing another mission besides that so yeah you could have eight hours of security and uh oh bt dubs uh yeah you're going out on mission in 45 minutes Mm. wow yeah tired yeah (laughs) (laughs) now now what were your positions within the platoon so i was a uh, bradley driver for a while i was a saw gunner for uh a lot of it as well Mm. and uh as so as far as being a saw gunner I was in a uh, second squad, which as far or I'm sorry, third squad, 
as far as our mission set was considered, you were either doing, man, it really rotated. We were so busy all the time. So well, you, were you might be squad. the lead. You were in second squad. It, what yeah, was, was Bailey second? Bailey. Bailey was second squad. Yeah. So you were either doing raids or you were on the uh, outpost security for a raid. And majority of the time, though, for our squad, we were on the outer security. How garbage it was in the back of the tracks was the, one of the first uh, raids we ever did uh, after we moved from our first cop to the second cop, a combat outpost. We went from we went in a raid that was basically across the street from our cop, right? And did the whole debrief. Everybody's or the brief. Everybody's ready to go. We went through the op order. Or this is what's going to happen. We're going to go here. Edwards, your your squad's on assault, and you're doing this, that, and the other. We're going to get to the house, and we're going to go in this way and that way. And the lieutenant's just talking it down, you know, like lieutenants do, and, uh, you know, all hard and mighty. And I'm, I'm an amazing lieutenant. And uh, so we get back to Bradley. On the way there, the Bradleys get lost. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been of a back of a Bradley. I have, yeah. It's a box. It's a yeah. metal box. It sucks. It's terrible. It smells like diesel. You're confused. I just remember diesel like dripping all over exactly, my. Exactly. I was like, I felt like I had just taken a swim and dude, like it's hot, 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 and you're already it yeah. smells and you're lightheaded already. You're probably already lightheaded from being outside in Baghdad anyway. <laughs> and then you, you get, get out, out and the sun smacks you. Dude, it was dark. It was pitch dark. Pitch dark. No power in the town. No power anywhere. In oh, that so area. you were on a night mission? Yes, okay. as night as night as hell and we get out of the back of the bradley and I, I get out and i'm looking around i'm like i have no idea i can't even see the other bradleys it's so damn dark i'm like where the hell are we at i'm trying to look at my map i got my gps which by the way in your middle box your gps oh never works when you're inside the back of that thing you're sitting there and you're like oh why don't you use a compass well i'm sitting there with a compass and you're on an all metal thing and it's just spinning around like it's going in a whirlpool wow. i'm like jesus so get out of the back of the bradley and i've got my map uh my terrain map on where i'm supposed to be going my little my my uh print off basically of where we were going our target our op order on a target piece of paper mm-hmm. showing you where the target house is and i'm looking at it and i'm like trying to terrain orient i'm like asking a private dude shake that bush over here see if it rattles on this piece of paper man i can't <laughs> tell where we are this lieutenant looks at me he goes sir edwards i'm like what sir he goes what are you doing i said i'm trying to figure out where we are i'm like (laughs) he says you don't know where you are i'm like do you (laughs) shut up you're supposed to know where we are i "I don't know if you were on the same ride as i was buddy but you were you were up top right you're the 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 lieutenant rides up top until it's time to dismount then he gets out crawls out the back like some kind of magical rabbit and this dude still couldn't tell me where the hell i was how the you don't know where we are and you were up riding up top looking (laughs) how am i supposed to know where the hell we are you ass hat oh dude it was so confusing i'm just sitting there just like Bro, I don't know where the hell we're supposed to go. Is that the building? I'm like, why are you asking me? That might be the most stereotypical lieutenant. Oh, my God. No, just talking about the disorientation in the Bradleys, though. Like, if you're a driver. Okay, so this was by far the worst thing that I ever did. And you drove them, right, Will? Yes. That was the worst job that I had in the military. I would much rather walk 100 miles as a saw gunner in the middle of Baghdad than be a driver in the middle of July in Baghdad. That a, is the worst. Like, literal to the point. burning shit? Remember that? No, no, I'd take that. Okay. I would absolutely take that 100%. I'm talking about, like, the Bradleys get so hot as a driver because that engine, and in the middle of July, and that metal, 
you're if somebody did a temperature check of what your brain is reading like they say that your brain starts to melt at 104 degrees i guarantee you your brain is probably at 120 degrees like you just naturally pass out because of the amount of heat and temperature and chemicals that you're huffing i'll tell you all in between and one of those sun toe watches we got we got cool sun toe watches you mm-hmm. know yeah they gave us you know, all these monies so yeah. they gave us sun toe watches and it had a temperature indicator on it. And it would tell you how hot you were. And the excuse was, well, you've got to be able to monitor your soldiers and make sure it's not too hot. Dude, it's July in Baghdad. Are you stupid? <laughs> Everybody's got the weather channel here. Are you yeah. dumb? Anyway, whatever. Also, it's war. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, do well, guys, the environmental conditions aren't quite factor. right for war. <laughs> I don't know why it's so orange out here. It's from the dust in the air. It's Time out, boys. Okay. We can't fight today. Yeah. <laughs> we're not doing this. So I took that watch off one time because I don't need to know what time it is because god almighty we're not finished until we're done and nobody cares anyway whatever just go out there and when you're done you're done right it's it's not like you're doing it time to target so not on this so i take this watch off and i put it in the back of bradley right next to the door you know and the santo watch stopped at 140 degrees and then shut off in the back of the bradley and it was like I came back and it wasn't working. I was like, well, I guess I killed that one and you let it cool off, you know. And apparently 140 degrees is the shutoff temperature for a Santo. Now, like, that's the back of the Bradley. It's, so back. it's not even next the to the front, engine. Right. The front of the Bradley, right you yeah. actually have an L-shaped engine all around you for two sides of your body from your front into your right you have an engine that surrounds you mm. plus the outside temperatures and there's no insult the fan system that they have in there is an absolute art. yeah it, it's an absolute freaking <laughs> joke you might as well just blow on yourself quite literally mm-hmm. um and, and it, it the temperatures that you reach in there you're not allowed to open a tank or a bradley or anything like that if you have it cracked at all, in fact, actually, we had a guy that had his uh, tank just cracked a, a, open a little bit, and they got hit by an IED, and uh, he got a bunch of shrapnel from it. They actually uh, pulled <laughs> his they gave him purple article. heart. Yeah, they gave him an Article 15, yeah. too. Yeah, they pulled his purple heart and gave him an Article 15 because wow. he wasn't following regulations. Oh, <laughs> wow. It's getting kind yeah, of man. hot in these rhinos. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just- so Will you, in there pulling you, his pants Oh, off. my God. Oh, no. Here's the worst one. Okay, so I got super sick. I got, like, the flu or something like that. Uh-huh. And But, hey, man, you got mission. You got mission. You're only one of the handful of people that can drive these Bradleys. Mm-hmm. You're important. Oh, yeah. The wrong kind oh. of important. <laughs> so uh, I decided to take, like, a, a little bag with me because I figured I was going to puke. And, you know, not a whole lot. Just just. Whatever I had in my system. Well, apparently, I vomit out all my insides into this PX bag that I, I can that I have just sitting in my lap. It's a hundred and like forty degrees inside this Bradley, and quite literally, this vomit is getting so hot that it like is starting to burn my fucking legs. And I know what's going to happen. Like, there's no moving this bag. No, no, there's no nothing. This thing is going to absolutely tear. It's just a matter of time before I am covered in boiling vomit. <laughs> And we still have hours, hours and hours on mission. 
So, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, middle of like June, July, <laughs> Baghdad. I have an entire bag full of, uh, <laughs> like freakishly full at this point. Like, I don't, I don't even know. I have, there's this one's <laughs> in me. It's, it's oh like you can't even stop because every time you look down, there's more vomit. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. in hell here, right here, yeah. And so it's just a matter of time, and finally it just tears and covers me from like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 from like the top of my chest <laughs> to my knees is just absolutely 100% Brother. covered in boiling vomit, oh. and we still had like three or four more hours on. Mission. We tried to go That's like rough. I rode oh, yeah, in his dude. track, right? Oh I rode. So did you track. know it happened? <laughs> oh yeah. No, here's what happened. So uh, who was it? Swallow said something. Amen. Hey, hey, um. This is a Samoan guy. He's like, hey, man, I'm struggling sick. So uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to ride back in the back of the Bradley. So uh, that sounds just, that's dead on, dude. It's an amazing impersonation. <laughs> no one does impersonation. That, that is huge. accurate. So, so if, Swallow, if you hear that, uh, don't get butthurt. That's I, what you sound like. I'm not, I'm not worried about it, man. Maybe that maybe that spam will be all right. But uh, he's, uh, he's, hey, so um, uh, Strickman, he, he got pretty sick. In the, in the Bradley, I don't know if you want to ride in here. And he drops ramp. Uh-huh. Oh, Holy wow. Jesus. Yeah. Holy Jesus. It's like it hits you like 140 <laughs> degrees of vomit and just like, Bleh. oh, man. I ran away. I rode with someone. I don't even know who I rode with. Probably <laughs> Keller, one of them idiots. <laughs> And I was just like, no, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Oh, I just can't. Was I this can't. at the end of the mission, or you? Yeah, had, yeah. Okay. I didn't get back yeah. in the Bradley. Well, that the was the end, the end for him. But yeah, yeah that yeah. was like halfway through the mission. Yeah, he was. Right. Yeah, he would. Yeah. Yeah. Was like, yeah, just laying in your cooking vomit. <laughs> Bro, you, you learn to do things oh. like, that should not be spoken of, like. Isn't it funny, though, when you, like, get back and you hear, like, some, you know, like, 14-year-old girl complaining about her cell phone plan and she oh doesn't God, have, like, right? unlimited data? Oh, my God. <laughs> You're in a movie theater. I remember that happened to me when I got back and some girl was, like, complaining about And I was, like, dude, dying inside. I was just, like. <laughs> just let it out. Yeah. Just let it out. Just let the hate tell us the truth. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> But it's like, it, I mean, that that's real. Like, just one of those small things is a small example of combat. And like, oh, yeah. just to suck. Like, not even oh, getting shot at. Like, no, just no. So, sitting there in misery. Yeah, so our, our first cop that we went to. Um, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, this I place mean, is I, a real Not treat. to interrupt, but I feel mm-hmm. like he, you you would probably rather get shot at than have that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. day long. Yeah. I'd rather be shot yes. at yeah. than, than be bored. No, yeah. no questions. <laughs> Like, I, I will take getting shot at over swimming in my vomit any yeah. day of the week. You oh, yeah. can punch me. <laughs> you can stab me. You can try and fight me. No, just so please. We had this. Don't bore me. <laughs> we had this absolutely terrible cop where you weren't. Uh, we didn't have any running water. We didn't have heated water or anything like that, right? Yeah. So, but of course, in the morning you have to be freshly shaved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when it's October in Baghdad. And you need to shave your face, which you don't have any cream for your face. All you have is just cold-ass water. Now, what does cold water do when it hits your body? It yeah, makes, it makes you, your pores stand up. Yep. Yeah. You get a bunch of goosebumps. Oh. So now you have to dry shave yourself in this freezing cold water. We were fighting over a microwave to try and heat up water bottles <laughs> to try and shave your face in time <laughs> in the fucking morning. Oh, yeah. Just <laughs> people talk about PTSD. Yeah. That's the kind of PTSD I have. Yeah. No, 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 no. Boys. 
Otis Spunkmeyer muffins. <laughs> oh my God! Ketchup okay, flavored, yeah, 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 ketchup yeah. flavored potato chips from uh, Canada. Oh, and pop tarts without any frosting. Pop tarts without frosting. Who the hell makes that? Nazis. What kind of god? What sadist allows this to happen? <laughs> there is no god if that is a, if that's the truth. And God has smelt us. You know, way to save a couple bucks there, Army. Thanks a lot. <laughs> no frosting. Dick nose. Nice. So you can't Good even Lord. get us frosting. What kind of Heard are you? I get the willies when I see the, the you know, you're talking about those spunk fire like muffins. Can't I go to them. a gas station Can't. and see those, and I'm like, oh, it's the worst. Eat another terrible. one again. Just terrible. <laughs> just the worst thing ever. Oh, look what we just got you. We just got you some of spunk fire muffins. I'm like, dude, I would rather throw you off of a building and cook <laughs> random hot dogs from down the street in your open rib cage. <laughs> Burn your spine for for an actual hour to make my food out of your rib cage, then eat this Otis Spunkmeyer muffin. I ate a pigeon in Baghdad. You did? Yes, I did. I shot this son of a bitch with a pellet rifle. Oh, we had a first arm. It was just, and his name is Lesko. And you know what? I don't care. I hope that dude hears this. And he's like, that guy, Edward, just mean. Well, you got uh, fired for being a shit ass. Yeah, you got fired because you suck. You're the worst NCO ever. Freaking just turtle looking idiot playing World of Warcraft, you nerd. Never fed us. Like He really like, did. He then, got fired for got playing fired. World of Warcraft. Oh, so my gosh. our cop was flooded. He got micro grants and refused to do out and, and go out and find somebody to pump out the shit water out of our cop. We were in our up to our shins eating in feces water when we got to eat food. If we weren't back in time for mission, the Ford Sport Company go dump all of our food outside the cop and just ride off. We come back, there's packs of dogs eating it. Dude, there's a lot of times I thought about just shooting people's dogs, or not people's dogs, or wild dogs, but... Hell, I'd eat a dog, man. I'm not above that. I'm hungry. If I'm yeah. hungry, not I'm hungry. those dogs. That would not be okay. They, they're eating better than us. You know, they were eating our food. Fair enough. But this guy, you know, he just never took care of us. He ended up getting fired for it. But yeah. that's the point. Is this guy was like, he had cats. He would like feed the cats tuna fish. That he was getting like, oh, he hung- threatened to give me an Article 15 for chunking an orange at one of his cats. Yeah, yeah I was shooting him with a pellet rifle because not because I have anything against cats, it's because I wanted to hurt his heart and I couldn't <laughs> shoot him with a pellet rifle. <laughs> I mean, I could have, but it wouldn't have got this dude. Same dude. We're in the middle of a. There you go, Lesko. You know who was killing your cats. You did not. You did not like your no, first sergeant. It's not <laughs> I, didn't, I, no, saw that I didn't like no. him or I, did, I hated him. It's just the guy was a turd. I yeah. Mean, Listen, what do you do with a turd? You don't sit there and admire it in the toilet. You flush the fucker. Be <laughs> well, done some with people it. admire it. I mean, yeah, okay, if it's if it's more than seven curics. If it's more than seven curics, you could admire it, all right? But if it's if it's less if it's less than seven curics, then it's gone. You just yeah. get rid of it. And that dude was dude was literally that guy was a pubic hair floating in the bathwater of the army. He was just something that makes you feel sad about its existence. You know it's there, and you hope Dude, you don't see it. This podcast is going to have a whole different name by the time this thing's over. <laughs> Listen to Vinny rant for 20 you minutes You could actually about... just split this up into two different stories. You really or... could. You really could. <laughs> Trials and tribulations of actual battle. What soldiers think of their first sergeants who literally hold them over the barrel and show them the 50 states? This is uh, 0506. No, no, 0708. Okay. 0708, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you, so so 15 months over there, and when you guys, you know, did you feel like, you know, mission accomplished as far as that deployment went? Hell yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hell yes. Yes. We saw such a change in our environment from being one of the most hostile places. We had uh, the people that we transitioned over from that we were replacing 
they were crying and begging us not to go over certain roads. Majority of them, really, the majority of their command had been wiped out several times over. And uh, I don't know what the hell happened with us. I don't know what made things so much different, but uh, our authority and what we were able to, to accomplish, we opened up the first bank from the entire start of the war, uh, opened up in our area, which was considered next to Sauter City, arguably the most hostile to second most hostile place in the world at that time. And we were able to have that happen. We had females drive. We had the bad guy, or we had people telling us. So it, when we first got there, a lot of the civilians didn't even want to talk to us in any sort of fashion or way, right? Right. But uh, after a couple months of showing them that we could actually protect them and do security for them, they were telling us everything and anything that was happening. If wow. somebody planted an IED in their yard, they told us because they knew that not only would we get that IED, but we would catch the bad guys that did it so they'd be protected and they'd be fine. Because majority of the time when they try and tell on you or something like that or tell uh, on the bad guys, the bad guys will just kill them right. and their families. Yeah, we saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. If, yeah, if you can give them that, that protection and that feeling that you have their back, they, they really went all out for us. And we were catching all sorts of intel that otherwise we never would have had. You know, this is a this is a truly valuable perspective because you don't hear from any of the guys that were successful in Sodder City. You hear a lot of guys going like, I didn't even want to leave the exit ramp like to go into that area. Like there was, you know, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many countless times that, you know, besides, you know, some special operations troops that went in and just went on strike missions or they just hit it or whatever. Like, you know, I have several buddies from 10th group that went in and, you know, they were just, they just, they had like all the army's air support in the area and just, you know, killed everything, you know? Well, I think what Vince was talking about is that we had a platoon sergeant that he's from the seventies. Well, yeah. This is so, a no bullshit guy. And he had our backs for anything and everything that happened. And I want to reiterate that, we didn't spend time in Sodder City. We went Not like a, whole a lot couple of time times. Right. Most of the time, yeah. we were, you know, but Baghdad, when you went, you took it to them. Yeah, yes. well, I mean, but that's the thing is, most of the time, we did most of our fighting. We did it in a, in an area called Rizala and Sadia and Sadia, and that was, I mean, you know, you don't hear about it because. It's not all Sodder's army. It was all Sodder's army, but it wasn't actual Sodder City. It was right. Rizal and Sadia. But really rough areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was outside of Sodder City. It was the two gnarliest places you could be in that entire country. Yeah. Uh, not even were... that, the entire world, actually. Yeah. Sodder City and Sadia were the two most hostile places in the entire planet at that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just, I mean, once we, we, we locked up Sadia. We put them walls around it. We talked about it earlier. Alpha Company did pretty good in uh, Solder City too. They got yeah. it on lock. And, and Deco, Deco did really yeah. gnarly in Solder. Yeah, mm -hmm. we had uh, one of our Delta companies, and it's so in a combined arms battalion is set up with Alpha and Bravo companies are primarily your infantry companies. Charlie and Delta companies are your tank companies. Echo companies are engineers. Then you have your Ford support company and whatever other special troop battalion attachments that you have from there are divvied out throughout battalion. And what ended up happening, when we got there, they took uh, our battalion and they they moved us to Baghdad. Instead of us being down in Kalsu with the rest of the brigade, they needed a detachment and they figured they'd take the best combined arms battalion that they had, move it to Baghdad, and basically attach us to whoever was there. You know, mm, at, that, okay. at the point when we got there was uh, first ID out of Germany. It's That was first brigade. 
Brigade First ID, I want to say. And then it transitioned back over to uh, 4th Brigade First ID out of uh, Fort Riley. And those dudes were good. You know, I got a couple of buddies like Jake Tippett and a few of those other dudes I still came in contact with and uh, Coachellos and those dudes. And they were squared away, dude. But mm-hmm. it's the thing was is they basically detached us and sent us down there. So we weren't even with the rest of our our actual organic unit. Right. Completely detached. Wow. So we basically, because we were there at the right time, we'd get handed off. So when 1st Brigade 4th ID or 4th Brigade 1st ID left, we were handed off to 1st Brigade 4th ID, and they were lackluster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to say the best about them, they were lackluster. That was the most frustrating thing. We were super accomplishable Mm -hmm. in our missions, but when we handed it off to uh, the 4th ID, just everything we did went to shit. Bro. It, it was pointless. They mm. came out and we're like, hey, they, they came to take over to cop, right? And we're like, hey, so we need to left seat, right seat ride with you guys. Everybody, everybody's listening here. If you don't know what left seat, right seat is, that's where you take your unit that's replacing you and you do you teach them about areas to go, where not to go, what's where. You know how it is. It's basically getting your guys a uh, orientation that's you know not as formal it helps the guys get a little bit of their feet underneath them so they know where they're at whenever things are going on and we were like hey listen guys this is how this place is let us take you out and do this and they're like oh we've been in country for for three months we already know where we're at and they were like down in calcio or someplace where there wasn't anything going on right and we left bro <laughs> yeah oh uh, they got sh- they lost it they got schvatted like yeah, they right. straight up schvatted they got, they got wrecked crushed, yeah. Dude. yeah it was the same thing with solder city uh, all of it got let go again. Yeah. After, just... after we got a hold of it for a little while, and then it was completely relinquished because of lack of proper command. Just because we got it to be a more chill area or something like that doesn't mean everything's A-OK. People know not to come out there right. like stupid for a little so while. So they, yeah. they put a unit that had no business being out there, but since the casualties were low and it wasn't considered a dangerous area anymore, they just put Joe Schmo out there mm. and... They completely lost it. Do you yeah. remember the guy that got out of the Humvee? They sat his... there and fucking cried on the sidewalk hey, because we, we were trying to tell him what to do. We don't tell us what to do. I remember that one guy got out in, in, in his mag pouches. He had like five or six Pop-Tarts. <laughs> right. I am not even right. lying, yeah. dude. Yeah. I am not even lying. This dude yeah. gets out and his magazine pouches are full of Pop-Tarts. I, I shit you not. You have staff sergeants like having a fit of rage like children. Out there sitting on the sidewalk, like we just don't want to listen to you guys. We're not going to do what you we tell know, us. Dude. Yeah, we know what we're doing. I remember telling them, like, well, if, okay. you, if you don't want to listen, that's fine, man. I'm not going to send my guys out with you. And when you die, it's on you. And that's what happened. Don't be stupid. That's that's so bizarre. Stupid it's, with two O's. Yeah, you know, <laughs> stupid, extra stupid. Well, that's the whole thing about handing off footprints. It's really interesting how that works. So once you like secure an area or something like that, as far as big armies considered. They see it as, oh, well, that area is secure. It's no longer dangerous. Yeah. We can just put anybody out here. Mm, that's not necessarily the case. You know, you, you know what's interesting about that is, you know, I still hear that in the Marine Corps. It happens from time to time. But, you know, one of the things that I do admire about the Marines is, uh, you know, we, we kind of have a lot of that, you know, unit pride. Yeah. And so when somebody else, like, comes in to replace, they're like, oh, we're we're the best division in the Army. Well, that's something and that then, they, like, 
breed into you too. You're right. always in the best platoon, in the best company, in the best battalion, and the best brigade, and the best division. Right. Best, best squad, the best team, and the best buddy team, and the best yep. barracks room. Mm-hmm. Nerd. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And core. But it turns I, out but, that shit changes all the time. But I feel that I feel like that goes negative when you start to treat others like that you know like, right. like for example you're telling a story about these guys coming in and not wanting to be told yeah and they really didn't yeah, yeah. Uh, because they're like pride. oh we're fourth id we yeah. we know what we're doing yeah. you know mm-hmm. we already know that's when it goes negative is like you know you've got to have that ability to intercept and then you know come in and hear those ideas and listen to the tactics humility because that's key, what man. saves lives yeah absolutely humility yeah absolutely that's that's exactly it man if you're listen man you can be the baddest dude on the face of the planet has somebody that's always badder than him. That's yeah. just how it goes. Mm-hmm. And no matter how bad you are, there's always somebody that's badder than you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't, if you don't listen, you don't try and learn. If you're not trying to expand yourself and become a better anything, then you're just you're not doing anything. All it takes is for you to shut up and listen to somebody for five seconds and maybe mm-hmm. save one of your kids. That's the most important part out of all of this. Is so. these guys don't realize that it's not just you. Yeah. You know, it's your families, it's your soldiers' families. Oh, hubris. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh Mr. Hubris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man, Greg's hubris. Greg's got it right, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every damn time. Every damn time. It, just, you, know, you know what's funny about that is I, I always thought about that because, you know, guys would get into, you know, especially my master's degree, there would be guys that would be like, well, what do you think about the war? Oh, your master's degree. <laughs> oh. <Ooh. laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I, love it. I, just, I didn't know that you had a master's. I'm actually kind of interested. What'd you get it in? Now I got some questions for you. <laughs> should have never. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Max looking at me like, good God, why did you bring that up? Welcome to Vince and Will time. We've got a learned (laughs) guy here. He he got one of them there army education. (laughs) That boy done learn how to go to collegics. He's learned. Yeah, he's learned pretty good, I reckon. What's your your alma mater? (laughs) Suma Copenhagen? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, so anyways, my Mm -hmm. point was that the guys in the class would ask me, like, well, why were you... Were you okay with the war and the conflict? They and ask all that. you like the the moralistic conflict of it yeah. all the time, like as if you, you can give a proper answer. Yeah, and, and I would always just tell them, you know, like regardless of what I what I thought about the war, the most important thing is is I was over there for my bros, like trying to protect them. That's always what it comes down That's to. Exactly what you it know. Is. There there were so many of us that like I remember the the numerous conversations about nine eleven. And what people thought about it either way while we are overseas. But that didn't conflict with how somebody operated or endured or, or did their job. Right. They didn't care about that. We That's interesting how you other. can have that, isn't that? Because you, you, there were definitely the conspiracy theorists in my company. Hey, oh, dude, yeah. yeah like, Thou uh, shalt no. not free think. You will be labeled as conspiracy. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> we had guys in order, you know, like, yeah, we burned it down from the inside, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of that. But also that I never felt like that affected their them in combat. Like, right, like, exactly. I'm definitely one of those weirdos, Alex Jones, molten people, the, the, the middle <laughs> of the planet's the Earth, game. and it's flat, and oh, I'll tell you what, man, there's a big conspiracy lizard people are gonna peel off the skins and they're gonna come out and they're gonna rape you no dude 
The lizard people are working with the lava people in the middle of the earth, but the middle of the earth isn't what you think it is. It's actually flat. There's a bunch of troglodytes. You've got to continue to the backside of the moon where it's actually at for the moon. Troglodytes are turning the frogs gay. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Yeah, all right. We're, getting off, we're getting off yeah. topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We can sit here and talk about it. who burned yeah. down yeah. wood all day long. Right, but, but nonetheless, but, it is interesting. Like, So our personal beliefs don't have anything to do with our mission or a job or anything like that. Right. Right. We're all there for each other at the end of the day. That's I had a couple. That I, see. I, I had a couple guys over there who, you know, a couple guys in my in my team when I was a team leader expressed to me like, you know, start just getting kind of loud about their anti presidential thoughts. You know, like we because President Obama was in you know in leadership at the time, and we had a couple guys you know talking bad about that. And I remember pulling them aside and being like, guys, this is not the place, bro. I can tell you something crazy. That, that happened with us. If you talked shit, for whatever reason, there there was a, a couple fellas that uh, they, they said some shit about uh, the President Obama at the time online. I shit you not, they were actually black bagged by the NSA in really? our division. Wow, yeah, really? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, they actually came down and, and arrested two dudes from our platoon and investigated them. Wow. Over just saying some stuff on Facebook. All right, we're going to yeah. get into presidential talk. Let's get away from that. Let's, let's keep it let's keep it away from the politics. <laughs> let's keep it away. You don't want me yeah. to do that. You know, yeah, yeah. you're going to start me down a damn rabbit hole that I can't <laughs> oh, dig out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just well, my point and, being over the whole, mm-hmm. you know, over the whole thing is like it's not our job to, you know, question right. why, it's right? It's the job on the mission. Yeah. Right, yeah. and each other. Yeah. Dude, it's all it's all it, listen, it's all that that's 10 what, to 2, 400 meters out. That's your focus. Yeah, you know, don't yeah. worry about anything else. Anything Everybody's else gets, got their own personal religions, their own personal beliefs. You get That's the one cool thing about the army that I always saw is that you could have Muslim dudes next to Christians, next to Jews, all in the same all in the same squad and platoon. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was something that I always loved. You could have dudes from Alaska, from Texas, and Samoa. Mm-hmm. And the same squad. They're all working together. Ah, oh, that was so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So second, so second tour ends. You guys come back. Then yeah. what? What happens after that? So Everybody goes their own way. Yeah, that's what that's what happened. Honestly, um, so Will did a second tour with those guys. I went on and I went to the uh, special forces selection and assessment and did that and got picked up to go to SFQC in May of ten and went. And started jumping out of airplanes like a big dumb idiot uh went to airborne school and i was an old e6 when i went to airborne school so i was already angry you know mm-hmm. stayed angry hateful and dealing with new privates and everything else and i'm not even i just hated it and it just finished up and got through with that came back up to bragg and started going through and will's down and he's over in uh where were you guys at so they reflagged us from uh 464 to 350 oh yeah that was fun i forgot about i was there oh, for that God, too yeah 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 we had we we got we got set up there and I, there was there was a lot of people there that might listen to your podcast that are were higher ups that really didn't like me and I'm actually I'm I'm not not friends with them but I'm kind of like I follow them and they follow me back so that I know what they're doing. But hurt some people. That's a whole thing. Like if you get <laughs> your Ranger tab and you actually go to Ranger. Oh my God! You're you're the biggest piece of shit there ever was. Oh, you better suck your own winner to get out of here. You you get that tab and you come back here and you like it. Yeah, (laughs) dude, that's how it was, man. If you if you got your tab, if you went and say you know look at Third Infantry Division, you want to go do other stuff. You want to go get your tab, or you want to go be a long tabber. You know, you want to 
you want to continue on your career but a different path, man, you were just, you were just poop. Really? Poop. Yeah. Oh, they hated that. you. Huh. Oh, yeah. About the team, not yourself, man. No, yeah. it's about the team. We don't care about you. We care about the team. Yeah. Well, what, what about my career progression? Well, we don't care about your career. We just want we just want what we want. And yeah, that's yeah. and that was their attitude. Yeah. You know? and big I mean, army, right? It truly yeah. was. Past SFAS, got beat all to hell doing it. I've got a big scar on my lip. I got run over by every apparatus we built during uh, team week. I fell off of a berm. Smashed my face in with the buttstock of a rifle. Ended up with like, I don't know, 10 or 11 stitches in my lip. Mm. That was day two of uh, team week. <laughs> Your uh, ankle was the big boo-boo. Though. Yeah, well, the one the ankle was the toe. I had a ah, bone right. spur in my foot from booting doors forever. And that ultimately is what, what stopped me from going through. I couldn't I couldn't ruck like I used to. You know, you, know, you want to be first or you want to be like, you don't want to be last. You don't want to be light when you're going through that. It didn't matter how hard I tried, and I was a tough kid, you know, and still run and everything else. But man, I had a bone spur in my big toe. Yeah. And every time I went out to the woods or any time I rucked, it felt like my uh, felt like my foot was broken. And you know, that's that's just what ended up ultimately taking me out of the uh, the running for special forces. Uh, mm. Learned Spanish. That was cool. <laughs> that's good. So, yeah. ahora puedo hablar español todavía. I uh, mean, hace mejor que a ling- I wonder años. where the language training came from. Yeah, right? Yeah. No, actually, they do that. You know, you go back then, you would do language school first, and it was for for the lower languages. I say lower languages. be like Cat, cat 2, like the Cat 3, I think is what it was, like the Spanish, French, Tagalog, you know, the easier languages to pick up and the more not-so-in-demand languages, right. the the course was shorter. It was a four-week course in total immersion. Like, I had Ranger handbooks that were all Spanish, and all you did was talk in Spanish. You turn your phone over to Spanish. You play video games in Spanish. You watch Spanish the telenovelas, you know, to learn it. You, you were know? getting ready for seventh group. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was expecting to be squatted in a mud hut someplace in central Colombia. Yeah. You know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to I wanted to fight. I wanted to continue on. I didn't care about being a sergeant major. Hell, I barely cared about being a sergeant minor. I just liked fighting. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be I wanted to be a gunfighter my entire career. I loved I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. I thrived in the gunfighting community. Mm-hmm. That's what I love to do. I mean, being able to be the guy on point on the ground, directing volumes of fire, putting metal in the meat, and mm-hmm. doing what I needed to do to protect my guys and accomplish a mission. That's what I cared about. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, this guy's Mac is a rarity. All right. And a lot of these guys, they go on and they continue on their careers and they lose sight of what's important. Uh, and, and what's really important is the soldiers. Right. And Mac never lost sight of what was important with the soldiers. That's where it all comes in, man. I feel like it's like, you know, we were talking about this earlier with Mac. We were talking about, you know, res- respect is earned. Right. And yes. like there are so many guys in my unit, like not, not so many. There, <laughs> I just sold myself out. There's only five of them. <laughs> there's just five boys total. There's a few. There's a few guys that I will that uh, you know from a unit and surrounding unit uh, that that I will never talk to again. And they were in leadership positions, and I can't stand them. And mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, you know, when I see them, I'm like, "Hey, bro, we're both civilians now. You want to go out back?" Because <laughs> I would love to go out back with you. You know, like uh, let's go yes. alley, bro. Because right. I, because that respect is earned, mm-hmm. you know, in, in guys like Mac, you know, we talk about guys in leadership roles that, 
you know, make it to a high ranking. Now when they get out, they're so respected by their guys that people come back and visit them and see them and still love them. And well, they genuinely care about them because that guy cared about them while they were their guy. You know what I mean? Right. But if Max, like he, he you know, in, in your case, you know, in his case, when his leadership, if his leadership had just been from an impure place and impure heart, it's like, how come my guys never want to call me up or anything? It's not hard. You know, the, the deal is, and it doesn't matter... It's something I learned when I was a young when I was a young NCO, and the guys will tell you that, especially when I was a young E five, and it was really hard because coming from becoming a sergeant in your platoon where you grew up with the rest of the guys, and they've seen you do all the wild crap that you've done, and they all know you. It's really tough, and even when you go to another place, you know, trying to figure out your leadership style and how you're going to be and what you're going to be. You know, are you going to be, are you going to be that hard ass that's going to make guys out there clip the grass with fingernail clippers? And I've had to do that. I've done that with one of my, I have a guy and I can't say his name because of what he does now. And, but he, he was a smart ass. I broke him. And then after I broke him, he was great. And after that, I never had a problem with him. He's, he's doing amazing things right now. And then there's other guys, but the hardest part, like I said, is, figuring out what your leadership style was going to be, you know? And I took examples from uh, Jimmy Poston, Frank Caruso, uh, Dave Hubert. And Hubert's here. He's a, well, he was here for a little while. He was in the deuce. Um, He's an officer now. He's an ossifer. I didn't even know he could spell it. (laughs) But uh, he's an intel guy. It makes it even scarier, man. But these dudes, there were guys that I looked at and I respected them because of the way they treated guys, you know, which was where I was at in the rocket songs when I became an NCO was difficult because I had to be harder because I had to deal with guys that were my soldiers and they were my friends. Once I got away from there, I said, you know what, I'm going to be like these three guys. I'm going to find a way to mold it and make them make me be like them. And I think it worked out for me. Hell, I mean, you ask Will when we were in Baghdad together, I hated that whole call me, and I know it's discipline, but I hated that whole call me my last name and sergeant. And it's, you know who's in charge. No, nah, dude, yeah, you were uh, you pretty know. chill about that. There is nothing worse than getting a counseling statement at 3 o'clock in the morning for <laughs> having your <laughs> knee pads at your ankles uh-huh. instead of on your knees. Big shout out to who you know <laughs> you who know you who are, you, you are. booger eater, you bastard. Yeah, bastards. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you it's know. weird how that like corrective, like corrective training goes. Because I remember my team. You know, I was pretty. I, I could be dressed right dress about things when, especially yeah. you know. But at the same time, I would pull a guy aside and I just talk to him, man. Well, like most of the time, it was a misunderstanding or it was just ignorance about the situation. And you know, then if, if it was corrective training, it was usually like a workout or something. Well, you know? there's a certain amount of discipline that has to be instilled, and guys need to understand that. But right. and, but there's also a certain amount of leeway that you need to be able to take in understanding that dude this sucks everybody sucks everybody's sad everybody's away you're not doing anything that's going to endanger anybody or anybody's life there's no reason to go out there and absolutely hold a dude down by the throat and punch him into in his seat until he bleeds from the butthole you don't have to be an asshole just chill out every once in a while you know breathe man Mm -hmm. Just breathe. Yeah. I mean, I think about that often, too. It's like, you know, there's that weird flex point where it's like, I've got to keep guys safe. Yeah. And I got to pay attention to detail. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't want the last memory that my guy has of me to be like me being a complete jerk. And one of the things that both of you are keeping out of this that's super key, you need them to still care about you. So yeah, if yeah. you're that bad of a guy, people might just leave you out there to hang. And yeah, not I've even heard some of those stories. 
Yep, I've heard some of those stories. Yep. See, we've all got, listen, man, we've all got regrets. We've all got things. We've all got the last time that we said something to somebody. And it doesn't matter if it's a soldier or if it's your family member. The last thing you said to them may not have been what you wanted to say. Or, or it may have been what you thought was the right thing to say at the time. And then when you look back, you 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 regret it. But it's it, it's a very difficult it's a very difficult line to walk between being able to understand the difference between the two. So there's dudes that you're gonna yell at that are that are shitheads. There's no way other way to put it. Sometimes they do something stupid, and there's no other option that you have. Other like I had a kid named uh, what was that Hastings played. He fell asleep on a guard tower in the middle of Sedia. And I thought the kid was dead. Like, he was laid back, Kevlar back, vest open. I thought somebody, because we had snipers all over the daggone place, and I thought somebody pole-whacked this kid while he was up there, and I was taking chow up to him. And, I was, and dude, I wanted to throw that dude off the building. I'd mm-hmm. be straight up with you. Yeah. But at the same time, you, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to understand that these some of these kids are just dummies, you know? And you're going to, there's going to be situations where you feel terrible about it but you know what even as far as friends go too like you and i were close while we were overseas oh yeah dude yeah and uh but if you gave me a mission or something to accomplish you know it's not screw you i'm not going to do this because you're my bud i'm going to go do it exactly and uh still respect that friendship or or a connection that we have while accomplishing the job at the same time so it's not just up to the leadership Mm -hmm. it's also up to that individual and how they see things and do things i like what you said about the last name a minute ago and like the rank because i i do i I understand the importance of that but at the same time i remember so so i did a story the next one that's coming out through the veterans project actually Mm. through the through the full blog is uh this guy named doc hazard and he was a captain in the Battle of the Bulge. He was on the Siegfried line. He came with 144 guys, and they left the line 12 hours later with 14. So, you know, hellish combat, guys screaming for their moms and all that. And he said to me, you know, in combat, I, you know, I asked him about rank and all those things. He said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, you know, we, we called each other by our first names. He's like, but you have to understand something. We were all in hell combat. We all respected the hell out of each other, and if somebody disrespected me, they were going to know it real quick. Exactly. So yeah. He had a guy who uh, named Bowers or something, and who was a regularly good soldier, but who just, you know, he got sent on a mission to go get some replacements uh, from somewhere in France. And they, he said, load them down with ammo, bring back plenty of food, rations. And uh, Bowers kind of hesitated, and he was like, he's like, why the hell are you sending me? And Captain Hazard said, I hit that guy so hard that I swear he forgot who he was for like the next three (laughs) weeks. Like, I punched that dude across the room. Mm -hmm. And then I got on top of him and I held him by the throat. And he said, I don't think I heard you right the first time. He said, what did you say? He's like, he said, I'm going right now, sir. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I can understand. It's like, so I'll tell you. (laughs) <laughs> Don McAllister was probably the first SARM major that I've ever been friends with that I could see myself actually being friends with until the day I die. Mm-hmm. You know, because he respected me because it wasn't he saw me as as an NCO, but at the same time he saw me as a a person who was willing to work his ass off for him. And at the same time I saw that too because a dude would give anything he could to protect me and keep me safe. Right. 
And if it was me and Mac in the office, it was me and Mac in the office. Mm-hmm. Now, the second another dude came out there, if it was somebody like, if it wasn't one of the guys that we worked with, me and him every day, that was like tight with us, we had one other dude that was that tight. Yeah. And if it wasn't anybody, dude, it was Sergeant Major this, Sergeant Major that, Sergeant Major Roger. And you, that's how you, that relationship works, that's too, how it, though. You, like, have to, you, you have gave to, him, yeah, you were same able deal to make with that deal. My guys, if, and, and Clay Carver and any of those dudes would be like, it's Vinny until. And, and everybody knows who the hell's in charge, but you're not gonna you're not gonna disrespect me in front of anybody else just because you and I are close. Right. You know better. If you're if you're if you're a good soldier and you're my friend, at the same time you understand that this is how it's gonna go. It's weird, man, because when 2011 hit, I like remember even when I was getting out, like in 2011, I still remember. I was like thinking to myself, like I, I'm so glad I'm getting out, just because I could see the new iteration of soldier that was coming in you know and like in 20 yeah. even 2011 i was Soft. just like afraid dude Unreal. i Unreal. guys come into my team like in the last like couple you know like you know when we came into you know the unit and we had to like do our do my packet to get out and all that as i was coming in i was just like looking at these guys and i was like man they did not go to the same basic training something about shining your boots you know like yeah and I did that back in 05. But it it's was a discipline. Like, it's yeah, a discipline. It's like the little detail things. Um, but, you know, the, 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 you, know, you kind of lose that. It becomes so dangerous, man. Not just the details, but even the emotional status. It was unreal to see we were getting brand new guys that you could barely talk mean to without them literally crying. Yeah. In an infantry company. Yeah. That's Good a dude Lord. that you're expected to go to combat, <laughs> to go crawl through bodies and yeah. go take a hill while taking shit the entire time trying to get up it. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Hey, guys, remember Point the Hawk? Now you got Benny over here. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You can't give an order to without going, you know, yeah, yeah. crying his eyes out. Hamburger Hill without me? a dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you hate me? Why are you making me carry the ammo? <laughs> I, want, I want a gun, too. <laughs> I don't want to go. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. This was so. How many more deployments did you guys, both of you, do? Uh, I did one more after that. I did okay. one, and um, so I spent three years over in the queue trying to get through that. And then uh, a buddy of mine, she took over the uh, S one shop for brigade over at Fourth Brigade, and she said, "Hey, Two Furies going on a deployment. Do you want to go on a deployment?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah." Mm-hmm. <laughs> what a stupid question is that? Of course, I want to go on deployment. So. Yeah. We went to Kabul. I went with uh, two Furies, Second Battalion, a 508th Parachute Infantry Regiment, and uh, went with those guys. I picked up a platoon. Had a platoon until like a week before we SP'd for. Uh, we went wheels up to go over to Kabul, mm-hmm. and they brought one of our uh, esteemed colleagues, uh, Kirch. Kirch was the guy that uh, Mac had back in one, in OIF one, and Kirch is just a savage. Mm-hmm. He's got big, huge. Big bear paw dick beaters, dude. They're huge hands, just yeah. humongous hands. And he's, dude, he's the ma- I've never seen anybody pop smoke like that guy. But yeah, we did one more deployment together, and um, we did that in Kabul. We got there in November, and that was only nine months. Yeah, but uh, we were we did all the uh, non-tactical vehicle movements throughout the city through the Iron Ring or whatever they call it over there now these days in Kabul. Basically, I would my guys we would take two vehicles, two uh, SUVs. Sometimes we'd get a couple of the bigger vehicles if they had gates we could get through with the big Vicks. We would 
basically just drift around Kabul at heightened speeds and, and, and haul ass and take people like dignitaries, contractors, high-ranking generals, one Canadian dumbass that tried to kill us. <laughs> he, had his, he had a weapon and finger in the trigger, weapon on full auto, getting in my vehicle. One of my Joes actually grabbed it and get the hell out of here. What are you doing, sir? It was a Canadian full bird, which is like, I don't know, one of the Mounties. I don't know what he was. He was some Canadian army guy, but one of my Joes was like, what in the hell are you doing, sir? Shoot him. I mean, up one side and down the other. Hey, man, wrong is wrong. Right is right. Yeah, yeah. You don't care. Right. Rank don't know right. As long as you know what you're doing and somebody's doing wrong, you correct them. But yeah. It was, uh, that was a fun deployment. I mean, it was so chillax. I, I don't say chill. It was, there was a, it was a different type of danger. Yeah, and we almost got hit by a bunch of V bids, and you know, they were always trying to find a way to to hit us. But we were very sharp. I had great guys. I had some really awesome on point soldiers, guys that had been been in Afghanistan down south with Mac and them before. And uh, these guys were on point. They knew what the hell they were doing when I got there. It was made it made my life so much easier as a platoon sergeant. It was yeah. just they knew what they were doing. You You're know? not having to give too much instruction. No, well, they, well by the if. Listen, if you're a platoon sergeant and you're having to give instruction, then you're wrong because mm -hmm. your squad leaders are wrong because they haven't been trained up. You right. know? Now, as, as, a, as a platoon sergeant, you're the, you're the mentor of your lieutenant. That's your job is to teach him to lead guys. You know, mm -hmm. Your job is basically low-key casualty assessment and, or casualty collection and getting the guys supplies and stuff like that. You're, you're basically beans and bullets at that point. You're taking care of the platoon. You're platoon daddy. That's what I call you platoon daddy mm -hmm. because you're taking care of the platoon and you're yeah. taking care of the young PL and teaching them how to be a platoon leader. That's you. If you're, if you're wanting to be a leader, you have to care about your guys. Right. Yeah. William, what, what happened with the rest of your career? Oh Lord. So my second uh, deployment was absolutely pointless yeah. for the majority of it. Um, <laughs> We went in a train. You had way too much fun on that first appointment. Oh, my God. No, yeah. Yeah, you I was, sucked all the I army fun out. The army was like, wait, you had fun? Yeah. No, we're going to yeah, ruin right. this. I, I, I talked to other people, <laughs> and I was like, I'm spoiled rotten. My Here first, comes the big green weenie. My, my first platoon sergeant was a dude that barely escaped. Nom has killed somebody on almost every continent, on every continent except for Antarctica, mm -hmm. and was just a... a just the, the freaking man and mm -hmm. so as far as our training and the operations that we got as far as like third id we were on top of it so mm -hmm. we got the best missions the best training the best operations so forth and so forth so then after he left on our second rotation we got caught training a kurdish battalion that were that they were standing up in the uh iraqi army okay so these guys don't speak a lick of english and it was pretty much trained to <sighs> how to put it it would be like trying to teach somebody who does you're trying to teach helen keller what orange is yeah yeah that's a good way to do it <laughs> that that that's a good way to put it yeah. absolutely pointless and utterly useless you, she so, couldn't see yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah well, well we're teaching them like m4 m16 <laughs> carbines and they just use ak-47s and stuff and then trying to teach PT and then like training iterations and stuff like mm. that. It was more scary to, to be on the range with them than anything else. That was the hottest. In fact, the scariest of that deployment was when I was setting up some sandbags in the middle of a range in the middle of a desert in Iraq. A, a viper tried to bite me 
and that was about as that's dangerous. That's pretty frightening. I hate snakes. So <laughs> oh, no, no, that. no. He can't. Uh, I got him back. Oh, oh yeah. I got him back. Yeah, Solid. Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. No, no. I went at him like a gorilla going at a pocket for some blueberries. <laughs> Beat him with a sandbag. Not having any of that. <laughs> this is not how I go. <laughs> no, sir. Not today. Yeah. That's so, awesome. <laughs> so uh I started coming back with some uh some lung issues and stuff like that. Um turns out that sand over there, yeah. and all the smoke and fires and stuff like that, not so good for you. Yeah. I got medically discharged out of the military and mm. uh I went to school for forensics after that in college. I decided college was absolutely not the the route for me whatsoever. Hated yeah. every bit of it. I hated everybody in my classes. I couldn't stand talking to most of the civilians. I was going to school in Atlanta. Talking to most people outside of the military experience, this is one of the things, actually, I would like to talk about with PTSD these days and uh, how a lot of soldiers feel so distant from the rest of civilization is that while you're you're training and teaching how to be violent and anything like that, the rest of civilization has just gotten so much softer. And yeah. so much kinder and gentler. And so you're going a completely opposite direction than the rest of society and civilization is considered. Mm-hmm. So when you try and get back to it, you're almost disgusted by it. You don't even know how to have a conversation with these people. And it's so phony, fake, and gross how they pretend to be so kind and nice because it's not legitimate kindness or niceness. It's really funny as far as, like, the infantry goes. We can be mean as shit to each other, but as far as, like, caring about each other and loving each other... You'll find no deeper love. Fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stay yeah. away from my deep love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You touch my tra-la-la. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, so the uh, the rest of my military career was pretty boring, except for the shenanigans <laughs> that I got into as I was getting out. But that I think that might be for another story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When uh, so so you had that difficulty. Uh, oh, a huge. Yeah. Absolutely. It's tough. You bet. Yeah, it's interesting to me because you know nowadays it's not. It's not fitted for a time. It's not fitted for a man of violence. It really isn't. I mean, yep. you used to be able to get. You know, I talk about this with my guys all the time, and I'm, you know, I'm, I, I think for the most part, we've we've tried to advance in a lot of areas. Mm-hmm. You know, technology, interpersonal communication. But you know, when but that's all fine at the end of the day, but yourself. Uh, self-sufficiency is still above all so important like when we were talking about this originally and some of the things that i was raised on you know hunting fishing self-reliance were some of the biggest things when i go into a forest i better be able to know my way out of it and not have to rely on anybody else to show me the way out that's the truth but i think even like with you know for example you know a couple of guys wanted to solve their issues back in the day you know you you got into it with a buddy it's like hey man let's go out to the parking lot and settle mm-hmm. this you can't Absolutely. do that nowadays that's an assault yeah. charge you know like we are not fitted for violence at all it's seen as so negative but really that primal instinct gets killed um, you know, it gets abolished. Violence is a necessity. Yeah, I I, I absolutely believe that. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that are taught through manners. I got in so many tussles in Iraq with guys where we just be hot headed. Well, we I'll, just... I'll tell you. So I I grew up in a town, a small town in Texas called Greenville, Texas. I've been there. Yep. And uh, Greenville is where uh, Audie Murphy. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. And so uh, as far as when I was there, like if, if you ran your mouth or if you were being rude, mm-hmm. somebody was likely to teach you a lesson for that. Yeah. Wait, let me backtrack one second. So mm-hmm. he was raised 
in Katy, Texas. Oh, dude, uh, I've been Houston, everywhere. Greenville, Spokane, and Spokane. Moses so it was like, Lake. You'll, you'll look when you're listening yeah, later. Yeah, I've been everywhere. He's, he's li- basically lived, moved around his entire youth yeah. from yeah. Spokane, but he's lived in he's lived in Texas a lot. So just yeah. just so if you're backtracking, you look at through anybody that's listening. Yeah. Because he said he's from Spokane. Well, he's lived every damn where, too. Yeah, so. yeah. I was just, born in just, Spokane. Uh, majority of my time, I was raised gotcha. throughout Texas. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they, I mean, it's a different mentality and one that, you know, we don't carry anymore. And so. it's something that I'm interesting. It, it's not necessarily, like, super violent, nothing extra rude, nothing extra, n- nothing overly grotesque or anything like that. But it's amazing how polite a society is if there's a little bit of violence in it. Yeah, there's nobody. If no, there's you're not back-talking anybody because nope. there's a real question about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. There's repercussion to it. Yeah. I remember I got into a tussle in high school, I think it was, and I punched a guy. We were out on the street, and I punched a guy, and this woman literally screamed <laughs> and, like, <laughs> called the cops, dude. Like, it, I mean, it turned into, like, a big situation. Gary! Like, yeah. It's like this dude, all, all the, like this dude just just got punched. Yeah, mm-hmm. punched. You didn't decapitate him, no. right? No, like, he, he, he got <laughs> yeah, back up. He was fine. He was the... good. Yeah. <laughs> he he died five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why she screamed. Did you um, kill a house cat and cook it in his rib cage? <laughs> yeah, and tell her to shut up. It was Jesus. such a yeah. it was such a weird, but th- but that's the majority of like goings on nowadays. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I think about like hitting somebody over. You know, you're in an argument. It mm-hmm. gets heated. Whatever. Me, me and the guy were cool friends. Like Dude, after that, you have no many time. How many times, Vince? How many times do you think you and I have gotten into? Oh my it? god, dude! No, man. It's- <laughs> <laughs> we are it's- best freaking well, friends. Were fighting yeah. during and the show. We had this is my brother, literally right. my brother. And yeah. I have, I have. Jesus Christ, we have gone at it multiple times. <laughs> they were fist fighting during the show. I actually had to I, pull them I, off of I roundhouse, I roundhouse kicked him one time. Yeah, you did, so, you bastard. So damn hard. You left a bruise on my huge, fucking tummy. <laughs> huge. No one leaves bruises from roundhouses like I do. The amazing roundhouse is perfect for But I didn't, I didn't hit you back on that no, one. No, that was very smart. I was like, why the hell did you, I don't even know. you do that? Well, it's like we, had a, we had a really good friend of ours, Alex Nysong. He was one of my soldiers back in the day. Me and Will got into an argument. Of course, it was drinking because you know that's what happens when you drink you get in arguments yeah. i mean it just turns you into an a-hole sometimes and of course you're time, right i'm right and, yeah we're uh, both right and well now it's, it's time to show who's really yeah, right two 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 bulls two bulls like two monsters are i mean dude it's i am i am a i, I don't want to brag i am a freaking force he's good he's squirrely it's it's he scary. Is squirrely he's fast i believe <laughs> it hey it's a mickey you wanna hey <laughs> all right, Scott, periwinkle blue, right? Yeah. Periwinkle blue, you want to do a caravan, right? I, I see the red so, hair, dude. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I know so, what's up. And poor Alex tried to get in between us one time, and I, I felt so terrible. Like, he's, I, the next day, he's I didn't. just being, like, peaceful, like, no, guys, stop No, you stop guys need it. to stop. Hey. Oh, let's be cool. And I just flung him, just dude, hip through Judo, him. flip that motherfucker in the next week. And I went after Will, and I'm, I'm like, crying because I'm angry. I don't even know what the hell I was angry about. It's like something <laughs> stupid, probably. This is something dumb, but, you know, you know, drunk people, we all get dumb and drunk. But mm. I think the problem, I, and I'll tell you, man, and you know, I love this reference, and I love thinking about this only in the fact that I understand why it is. The internet. I blame the internet. Mm-hmm. Facebook and Twitter. Old and, man. 
Facebook and Twitter Damn, and and all that everybody. has made everybody so comfortable with being assholes that they yeah. forgot what it's like to get broken nose. Yeah. Look at my beak. Do you see it? Our audience can't. This it's, thing's crooked than a question. Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. And it's because, hey, I ran my mouth or somebody didn't like that I was shagging his old lady or whatever, you know, because it's happened. <laughs> Kind <laughs> Kindness is a fucking TV personality, man. Yeah. All right. So at the end of the day, people are people, and yeah. and as far as two dudes go, like how we have for millions of years settled an argument or anything that we have, mm-hmm. we go physical. Yeah, it's a deer. Deer do that over territory. Everything I mean, does. Come on, man. It's, it's nature. Gary, the blueberries. Go back to the gorillas, man. Every time, but it's weird when you're shutting down a facet of like human nature and like <laughs> trying to cover that up. Sorry, you know? just be <laughs> real. That's what it is. You know, man. you know why they're. You know why it's being done. Let's not go it's there. It's not even Let's human not, nature. It's actually into... just nature. Nature itself. All all males throughout all nature do certain things. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it, it's it's sad. Because everybody's like, oh, you're an animal. I'm like, well, yeah, basically, yeah, I am. I'm meat. Well, to try and hide that and <laughs> try and pretend to just be, uh, I, I prefer being an animal over a person any day of the week. Yeah, dude, man. I'm sorry. It's just, there's there's no there's no stake in being a, a piece of livestock. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, man. You, you, you'd be cool all you want and, and have them blindly drag you to the slaughterhouse all day long and just be as peaceful as you want all the way up there, man. I mean, just, Try and no, pretend no. to be something that you're actually not. This it's... dude right here, no, I can't do it. I yeah. can't do it. Yeah. I, I would, no, I, I would rather I would rather die on my feet than live on my knees. Yeah, right? yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop being me because it hurts somebody's feelings. And, I, you know, I felt, I felt bad. I remember talking to Will after Will got out and he was telling me about all these issues he was having when he was going to school and all these people you know these 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 beta cucks so garbage man they act like they're phony people and try and pretend to be so good with their with their ethics and humanity that's totally a front look how good i am and the whole time they're they're just finding ways to stab you in the back and, and talk just talking mess about you the entire time and and just being mean right bs dude i mean the whole thing is you know like our immediate response is oh you want to be an a hole? Well, then let's throw hands. Right. Or you're an animal. I'm like, well, yeah. So, the, the biggest <laughs> thing that I found. Stupid. Yeah, one of the biggest things that I found between the military world and the civilian world. So, if I have an if- issue with you, I'm going to be like, hey, man, you're doing this messed up and you're doing that messed up. And this is what I need you to do to fix it. Whereas in the civilian world, they will beat around the bush not tell you what their actual issue is with it, go tell a superior or somebody else, be completely indirect with it, screw up whatever the hell it is that you have going on, and not even make a a direct eye-to-eye contact with you the Mm. entire time. Right. I cannot stand that Weasley behavior. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were were talking about the advent of social media, but I do think that's propagated the issue for sure. If it's not the foundation of the issue, but I, I definitely think it's propagated where you can sit behind a keyboard and and play Brave Warrior. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I go out there and these guys are like, oh, you're a bad person. I'm like, I've dude. seen people comment things where I know that person, and yeah. I'm like, dude, you know what would happen if you said that. If, if you right. said that to my face, I would literally pull your <laughs> face off. I mean, we would play Nick Cage in this bitch. Well, not just that, but the double standard, how you can say that you believe in this, even though I know damn well oh, yeah. that oh, you've yeah. done complete the vice versa. Oh, right? yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, come on. It's the, gross. You, lie to, you, can lie to your, you can lie to these people, that, but don't that, do it where I can see it. That know? moralistic superiority is one of the most dangerous things that you have to combat currently today. 
Mm-hmm. It, it's literally giving the giving somebody damn near the the power of, of God in their fingers to judge you moralistically on what you're doing while doing the exact opposite simultaneously. There's, there's moralistic. Su- there's moralistic superiority, William, and I always said it's the fu- it's the necessity for people to feel loved. They people half the people do crap. It's not because they believe in it. It's because they think that somebody's going to like them more for doing it. It's a popularity mm. contest. These ding dongs never got Which out of high school. Which is another thing with the whole online thing that's even worse yeah. is that people do all sorts of dumb crap to try and get views on Look, social media. Yeah. Punching each other you're, in the nuts. You're a, are you high? You're a forty-year-old man. What are you doing? Putting a pie in your face, trying to get seventeen-year-olds <laughs> to like you <laughs> on what Twitter. What the hell is your problem? Somebody's <laughs> dad is flawed. <laughs> Shut up. So weird. So weird. Punch you in the balls. So you don't uh, contaminate you guys are the balls. You guys are going to be my honesty patrol from now on. Oh, dude, you want yeah, honesty? Yeah, that's, you what, that's what Max says about us. What you get is what you got. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. All right, we're not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He told me it would be a good podcast. He didn't tell me how good. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Wait, I don't know if he hey. said it was good, though. Well, well no, <laughs> I will take it as good. Yeah, yeah. Take it, take it. No, yeah. no, it's great. Take it. When you leave the place, I'll call you later. Easy, Carla. You don't gotta tell me to take it. So there is actually something that we haven't got to talk about at all on this, besides military experience. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as as far as like innovation and technology goes, as far as veteran, Mm. I really, really want to touch on this. There is something that veterans don't know exist that has hundreds of millions of dollars to it across all branches. Mm-hmm. It is something called SBIR. So there's SBIR and STTR. And so you have small business innovation research and small bi- business technology transfer. And these are programs that the government has that if you're a veteran and you have a good concept and idea for something that you want to develop and design, the government will throw money at you. To get it done, look at SBIR. It is so crazy important for veterans to know that this exists. I could not believe in the in the like seven years that I was developing my headphones, I had never heard of the words SBIR. In fact, actually, when I went to the Air Force program for SBIR stuff, I did not know what SBIR stood for. I thought that they just tested new software and technology and stuff that was coming out. I thought that's what it was for. And then I come to find out that the government has this entire program of hundreds of millions of dollars that they throw at people with new technologies to be developed. I could not believe that that exists. It freaking blew my mind. And no veterans know about this. Hardly anybody knows about this that I know of. It's unbelievable to me that it exists. It is such a huge program. Mm-hmm. And even as far as like the STTR goes, if you don't have the uh, capabilities to actually be able to make the technology on your own, you can actually get the government and one of their labs to work with you to make your project become a real thing. SBIR and STTR are huge programs for veterans out there that hardly anybody knows about. It's one of the best-kept secrets that the government has, and I totally recommend it to anybody who wants to develop anything. If you want to do something in the future, holy shit. Mm -hmm. And this leads in the conversation about what you guys are doing now. 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, as far as the earbuds go, Segway. <laughs> I like the Segway. Well, I mean, it's just no. We're not making Segways, guys. Sorry, let me, let me pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah, that, that is not Military what we do. Right? Segways. Yes, no, no, that's no. right. They're on pump tracks, the and we've got AT4s on them. What's up? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're really gonna offend a lot of people on this podcast. Good, yeah, good, no, good, yeah. great. Take it away, police kind forces. Of we need some Paul Blart out there, bro. I mean, I'm telling you, some Segways, AT4s, two point seven five. Yeah, I know. Scenarios? If you defund the police, you're definitely going to need those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good call. Jesus. Good call. <laughs> you better start the technology now. So uh, I wanted to get into the technology, though, that you guys are producing. Okay. Yeah, so, man. yeah, let's let's talk about the foundation of that and where that kind of came from. So, basically, we're... He started it. He showed no, me a set. No. Okay. So so he showed me the it. idea. So what yeah. happened was, when you go to the cop, right? You're out there in the you're out there in the middle of the city, and you're working out. And you, the only thing you have to do is either missions and workout, and that's it, or sleep, or other things we're not going to talk about, maybe watch movies. And the issue that you ran into more times than not was you'd be out there doing your thing, and you had earbuds, and earbuds suck. Earbuds always suck. Even no matter who makes them, earbuds suck. And we would try and I tried to figure out a few ways to make them better, and I ended up doing it. I ended up making a set, just but it was a, a, an aftermarket set, and I did a few things to them here and there. And I don't want to I don't want to divulge too much on what I did, but I was able to waterproof them and make them hearing protection and make them so they were able to last. They were a little more rigid. You didn't have to worry about them breaking as often or cords ripping out with the way I replaced the cords and stuff and uh, and the way I, I set the cords in. I made myself a set, and I made a set for Will. You know, Will took him over to Iraq on his second tour, and he was able, he put them in, and he was able to rock, and he was able to box with these things in. They never came out of his ears. You could mm-hmm. sweat like you could sweat like a, a child molester in a daycare center, and they're not going to come out, you know, unless you really pull on them. It's, it's insane. And, and Will looked at it, and he goes, man, Vince, I know you made a couple of these, like one for me and one for you, and, and they worked, and they seemed to work pretty good. And I was still making, you know, just aftermarket, just goofing around. If I wanted a set, I'd make them the way I wanted them. And Will looked at me, he goes, I hate to tell you this, man, but we're idiots, mainly you. I'm like, what? He goes, this has got a lot of potential. And I remember the, the bit, we started talking about it, and then in 14, I was in uh, I was in Kabul again. Will, I called Will, and I've been trying to get a hold of him. We talked back and forth the whole time. And he said, Vince, I want to do something. You started this. You, you, you came up with a concept, but I think I can take this further. I'm like, well, how do you mean? He said, just give me a couple weeks, all right? And I want to try and do a couple things with it, if that's cool with you, and I want to make you my business partner 50-50. I was like, well, dude, I'm in Kabul. I can't do much right now. He said, nope, just shut up. I've got it. You just relax, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, he, he showed me the idea. There's no way that I, I would have felt comfortable doing this without him being buy me a helicopter i don't give a damn (laughs) (laughs) hughes 500 i want a 369 alpha that's it v-tail that's all i'm fine that's it so yeah three hundred thousand. now i'll tell you i i got something for your listeners yeah if you're listening Mm -hmm. and uh you want to make a product how about i save you maybe somewhere between 50 to a hundred thousand dollars no I don't oh, like. I think me. they're up for that. Oh. Yeah, I don't like where this is going. Okay. Though this I, could go somewhere very. Bad. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, so there's a couple before, things before you're going to have go... to do online. Oh no, 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 no! Little this is going real. <laughs> before we go into the actual how we did that part, I just want to will. No, no, we're not going yeah, into. Yeah, to, yeah, to, oh God! Uh, no, 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 throw no, something. Okay, okay, of course not. Yeah, there may be a genius. I can't tell you exactly how the hell we make our earbuds, 
But I can tell you how to make a product and save a shit ton of money to do it. So when I first got into this and I started looking at how people make a new product, you usually hire a company to uh, do all your designs, all your drawings, and to do and to do your initial prototypes. But you can actually do all that on your own relatively easy. Just make a light sketch. Nothing nice. It doesn't have to be super good. I'm telling you, I can only draw stick people. I am not an artist. They're not good stick people. <laughs> yeah, they're not <laughs> even good stick people. Most of the time, they've people. got like coconut boobies and a weird string penis, and that's <laughs> right. it. Right? Yeah, that's about Round. that's what I got. <laughs> Circular. So, as far as like designing stuff, I am not super accurate. But if I could design it from paper, then I could take a piece of clay and put it on top of that piece of paper and cut out my design to be what I want it to kind of look like, right? Right. Now I get that 3D scanned, okay, that piece of clay. That turns into my actual physical prototype that I can have 3D printed off from a company. Now, if you hire a company initially to do your 3D development, you're looking at paying somebody from like $60 to $80, and $60 to $120 an hour to get that developed wow. and designed. Right. And that can be a lot of time because the micro millimeter adjustments and everything that you need to do to your design that you don't realize it's going to have to happen. And you can cut all that out on your own just by doing it from clay and getting it 3D scanned. Now, as far as like your initial prototyping goes, right, you can uh, there's a lot of companies that you can go through to get silicone that you can make your own mold boxes from. And you can YouTube or Google how to make a silicone mold box. And that right there gives your initial little production method. So from your house, from what you're doing, you can actually develop your prototype and have a small production run on your entire system that you have going on. And I promise you from doing this from start to finish, you will save probably... Anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars to get that all done and developed on your own. Just for wow. packaging, some of the companies that I talked to, they wanted over ten thousand dollars. As far as prototyping, I was looking at anywhere from twenty to thirty thousand dollars. As far as my tooling was considered, I was looking at anywhere from twenty to forty thousand dollars. And that was per piece. It's brutal. Right. Wow. And so to be able to do that all on your own, you can actually do that and accomplish it without having a bunch of companies in between. Mm. And it's huge to be able to do that. That's some important information going out it for, really is. for you listeners out there, whether you're a veteran or not. I mean, looking to start your own business mm-hmm. um, and looking to get into, you know, applied technology. I mean, especially if you're a veteran, but, you know, there's so much that can be done there. And I think something like that helps out a lot. And especially for programs. So as far as uh, veterans go, check out the SBIR programs that the military has. And the biggest one out of SBIR Small Business Innovation and Research, the best one to go through is through the Air Force. The Air Force has a program called Twenterprise, and Twenterprise is probably the best military program that I've seen for people that are developing anything. They will literally take your, your item and run it for a week through military scenarios and then give their AAR, After Action Review, of what they think about what you did. And it is unreal that they have a, uh, a program like that that is completely free. And then from that, 
you can actually get government contracts where they're looking at you for the SBIR. And as far as SBIR is considered, for our first rotation, we're looking at 2 to $4 million for our first rotation for the SBIR. Wow. It is something that a lot of veterans don't know exists, and it's super good. And then uh, as far as Army guys go, or uh, military veterans in general, actually, there's a program called American Dream University, ADU. And these guys will actually give you one-on-one classes with some of the world's best entrepreneurs, people that you couldn't even pay tens of thousands of dollars to to get a day with them. You will get it for free, and they will teach you all sorts of stuff on how to be a better business or how to even develop your business and give you contacts throughout all the industries. Wow. Freaking huge. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So so what are the what are the next stages for for product development and what you're doing right now? All right. So what we what we've done right now is we we took it from basic prototyping and beating the crap out of it and trying to figure it out. We made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Um, a lot of it was, you know, trying to send products off and, and find cheaper ways to do it instead of just, you know, pumping the brakes and taking a minute to figure out how to do it. And it's all been a, a trial by error, to be honest with you. We had one model that we had sent and we were like, hey, China, you guys want to help us out with this? And we're like, well, we need you to 3D map this or 3D uh, print this for us. And then we're going to go from there and see what we can do. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, we do it. And then they did it. And then you find their, that product that we had initially developed in stores now. I mean, because they're China, they're communists, oh, whatever. Yeah. They do what yeah. they do. They stole my original so, design. So, yeah. Not to not to uh, to divulge however much information we can about our product. So just so everybody's saying, we haven't even said what it is. These are the Capella Audio Type Zeros. They're developed from lateral concept development, which is with our uh, Umbrella Corporation or LLC that William and I started. The Type Zeros are a 24 decibel rated, crush proof, windproof, waterproof ear near earbud that can do basically whatever you want to do, from the shooting range to skydiving. I fly helicopters now. And scuba I'm pres- diving. Scuba, yeah, scuba, scuba. Um, so you can swim under, up to 50 feet underwater is what we've tested so far. I don't recommend it, but I'm just going to say because <laughs> I don't like going underwater with things in my ears. But you can swim comfortably on the surface without absolutely zero problem all day long. The the cables are rugged and rigid and uh, well not not too rigid that they're uncomfortable but they're ruggedized so that you don't have to worry about tearing them. The product is basically crush proof. We actually ran over it at that at the uh, testing ground in Dayton, Ohio, where William went for the Twinter Prize for the SBIR, and it's Air Force Run testing ground. And as he said previously, they had run the uh, the product through its courses for a week, and they ended up running over it with thirty thousand pounds worth of forklifts. Just because Will said, yeah, you could run over it with a Humvee and it'll work. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's a Humvee. It's amazing. So they ran over a Humvee and William was like, you guys are dummies. He didn't really say that, but I said that because you guys are dummies. And then uh, he said, uh, what else you got? And they're like, we can run over it with a forklift. So like, Will's like, okay, go get two of them. And they're like, what? He said, Dude, I've already blown your mind. Just grab another Let's forklift. Let's see if we can break them. Let's em. see if we can break them. And he couldn't break them. So, you know, it took, it took literally... Man, we've been in development of this oh, product. about seven years. Seven years. Seven years straight up. Wow. We, we had to experiment with different ways we could make it. Because in order for us to make it a, a cost-effective, 
uh, product that was that would withstand what we wanted it to do. It took a lot of research. And it needed to be cost effective. Cost effective. It's cost so, effective. Yeah, is the hardest the, part. The tooling looked. It was going to cost us like fifty thousand dollars. So exactly. we had to figure out another way to do it. So the biggest thing is like we're uh, in. They said with the Type Zeros, and we're we're in development. We have a long cable set with a mic. So. You can use them. The, the beauty of these things is, of course, you can listen to music. And everybody wants to listen to music. You know, that's what the inner, inner, what an earbud is for. They're also hearing protection, as we talked about earlier. You can go to the gun range and shoot. And let me tell you right now, there is an exponential increase in your ability to shoot when you're listening to rock and ass music. Because if you're just <laughs> sitting there and you're like, oh, man, it's boring. Did you put in some tunes that you really like? I do, uh, I do sporting clays. Uh-huh. Brother, yeah. I will smoke that ass. If I'm shooting with my earphones in, I will crush it. I love it. Anything you do makes everything better, man. It's like you can go mow the lawn with them, and you don't have to worry about your ears getting blown up. I run tractors, too. I pretty much do everything. I'm kind of like in a professional adventurer role right now. Yeah. I fly helicopters with them, put them in under my, uh, under my headset while I'm flying, and I'll listen to tunes while I'm going. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, volume low. We also have we have the long cable edition. We have a short cable edition. Uh, we offer a Bluetooth device, but we can't guarantee the Bluetooth device because these things, our earbuds that we make, are going to last you a year at least. You're not going to break them unless you are just just going absolutely harder than anything I've ever seen you in my gotta life. You got to be going pretty hard. You got to be going hard. I almost ripped my ear off one time pulling. Yeah. <laughs> not literally, we, but we've had people get through gigantic car wrecks while racing. Yeah, race. We run them in race cars. The now. earbuds were the only wow. thing fine. Yeah, it's. Uh, when our Kyle Jenks did that, you know, he's running a car here in Fayetteville and got in a wreck, and he's like, "Well." <laughs> Earbuds lasted. <laughs> Your car got destroyed, but earbuds lasted. Wow. But so, and like I said, is we offer a Bluetooth, but we can't guarantee the Bluetooth because it's Bluetooth, man. Everybody's like, oh, it's Bluetooth. Yeah, it's just a Bluetooth. And I understand. Mm-hmm. Phones are going away from having a 3.5 millimeter which audio jack, which is dumb. Bluetooth, now getting into the security side of it, everybody knows what a Raspberry Pi is. And if it isn't, I would suggest anybody who's listening. Most people actually don't know. Anybody who's listening and hears the word Raspberry Pi and has a confused look of puzzlement on their face when they say Bluetooth and Raspberry Pi needs to look it up. I don't know what a Raspberry Pi is. Raspberry Pi is a mini computer, a tiny CPU that you can put like inside an Altoids can that I can program to pretty much do anything and everything underneath the sun. So the biggest threat that you have with it is the fact that if when you're running your Bluetooth, it has an open-end transmitter that this thing can draw. You can put it in a, under a trash can at a gym. A little, as, it, yeah, it'll pick up any open Bluetooth ports that you have. So as soon as you have an open Bluetooth and it's not encrypted, which majority of Bluetooth is not encrypted. In fact, the only Bluetooth that is encrypted will let you very well know that it's encrypted before you turn it on. Right. And it can only talk to certain things. Now, that being said, when you turn on your cell phone's Bluetooth, um, yeah, I, I can collect all your data in about 15 seconds. Everything. Wow. I'm talking everything. I'm talking your passwords, your pictures. Your nudie your, pictures. <laughs> your banking account Your information numbers, where you live. All of it. Everything anything. that you've ever done on your phone is now mine. Yeah. And just... So a lot of people are doing this. this yeah, yeah. And it's, it's a, it, it is. It's a, it's a proximity... It's a proximity... Uh, device. All right. you gotta do no, is be it close Just enough. be within 33 feet. Yeah, your Bluetooth range. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and that's why I hate Bluetooth, you know, but unfortunately, the way of the world is going to Bluetooth. Right. It's, it's dumb, but hey, you know what? Everybody wants Bluetooth. also got a freaking charge. It's something else that you have to, it's yeah. literally, char- it's putting a hat on a hat before you go to the gym. It's yeah. ups- absolutely ridiculous. Well, it's but so, to each their own. What's so interesting is I have a, these uh, bows earbuds and they're they're wired mm-hmm. 
And then I have a pair of like the, I think they're like Dre Beats, but they're wireless, but they're the sport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always find myself wearing the bows because they're more, they're more in- durable. Yeah. Not just the durability, but the sound quality is always yeah, going the sound to be superior. Yeah. And uh, also the thing about having to charge something before you can actually use it is absolutely absurd. So just imagine going to the gym, your phone's charged, everything's good to go, but your earbuds aren't charged, and a quarter way through your workout, mm-hmm. they end up... Oh, I've run into that many everybody times, has. and especially because I am with me, like, I, I'm, I'll, be on, I'll be the first to tell you, outside of my military career, I hate being organized. Like, I, I don't know why, I'm just not, I'm an artist, you know, I see things very differently, and so I, I'm very scattered. So, like, the chance of me having my Bluetooth, like, fully charged is almost, like, next to nil. So, I, I'm also a total conspiracy nerd. And as far as, like, Bluetooth stuff is considered, uh, it's all made in China. The only Bluetooth things that are made here in the United States you're going to pay several hundred dollars mm, for. We're, ta- we're getting into the Huawei territory. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But the reason I'm telling you about the Bluetooth and the fact is we offer a Bluetooth yeah. so that people can have a Bluetooth because everybody goes, I want Bluetooth, regardless how dumb it is but we can't guarantee the bluetooth so i was going into the fact that our, our earphones are going to last for a year but i can't guarantee you that the bluetooth is going to last for a year because i don't make it it's right. made in china yeah yeah you know and so that's just we how totally expected to fail uh any bluetooth that i've ever had only lasts like two three four months like four months literally tops yeah. and I'm talking charges already going down off the battery. So, and I'll tell you that if we do get you the Bluetooth, we're going to get you the best one we've got. With well, the one we're running right now is a uh, an Apex model. It's a small disc model. The charge lasts for probably about three to four hours, constantly playing. Yeah. in real life, it's supposed to last. Right, longer. it says six to eight hours, but so it doesn't include the talking time, which is a fine print thing that you have to read about all your yeah. Bluetooth stuff. I'll tell you, so far what we found is that and the uh, Eurobird, but I can't find any Eurobirds anymore, but yeah. that one I've been able to find, the one I'm talking about is pretty easy to find. We decided that we wanted to make something that you could get ultra-focused and, and it, it not break is the biggest thing. Well, one of the hugest things that I saw, too, was as far as like the military is considered for hearing protection communication. So the only thing that they have is for the big radios, for the big encrypted radios. They don't have anything for the day-to-day basis. Yeah. So, like, if you're in the motor pool or if you're an engineer using tools or anything like that, there's no hearing protection communication system that they have for any of that, for flight deck personnel, for anybody that's in a loud circumstance other than actual operations. And even then, for operations, you're talking team leader and above. So as far as a platoon of infantry goes, you've got, what, two, four, six, eight, eight, maybe tops, ten people with radio comms? Yeah. At at the very, very tops. Mm, And as far as the rest of us go, uh, it's screaming or smoke signals. Right. Which doesn't really work. So as far as, like, going to ranges or being in the motor pool or anything like that, they don't have a hearing protection you know how many people I've seen chopped in half by freaking Bradleys? It's like just moving a Bradley. That is super dangerous, just moving that gigantic 33 really? ton wow. metal vehicle. Well, so as far as like the driver's considered, there is super visual imperity as far as moving that vehicle. And so if you're in between two Bradleys moving them, you're never supposed to stand in between them, but people accidentally do it all the time. And if you're pinched, in between those, even as far as the Bradley driver, you barely feel 
just a little bit on that gas pedal and you can chop somebody in half without blinking an eye. I mean, wow. you, you can run over a house on accident in a Bradley and not even realize it. Not saying anybody's done that. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> William never did that. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so just so you're tracking, and like I said, it was, a, it was a very difficult, it was very arduous, it was very time-consuming trying to figure it out. So we got... So we had the initial stage, the concept, the idea. Then we went into development. William went through about 14 different avenues and got straight up George Foreman took his money, you know. He was yeah, like, yeah. we going to find a way to make it so you can be an inventor. Call well, inventor. Yeah, you so know, you, I, I took hi. the original route. Like, when you think you have an invention, what, what, what do you think you're supposed to do? You take the concept to somebody that does it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're fucked. Wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. wrong. Yeah, wrong. you screwed. You Fake just news. spent a whole lot of money. So how those invention companies work is that they don't give a crap about your invention. What they care about is you spending a lot of money trying to get your invention up. And so they will take your dollar, every penny that you've got, every loan or investment that you can get to try and make their pro- make your product. But they don't give a shit if it's actually, or they don't give a heck if it's actually anything value or Stop anything of that nature. Yeah. It's the truth, man. So what happened is like, uh, like yeah, so- I spent about eight grand in uh, in invention companies yeah. and got taught a valuable lesson that I didn't get anything. Anything that I poured into this invention nope. company, I didn't read the fine. I, I was like, hey, at least I'm going to get my prototype drawings and everything else in between. Nope. No, I nope. didn't read the fine print. If you didn't finish the whole program, you get none of it. Wow. Yeah. A valuable lesson to learn. Oh, my God. Yeah, an $8,000 lesson right there. And that's what I realized about this whole invention process is that just by being able to teach people the lessons that I've learned, I can literally save them tens of thousands of dollars in a 10-minute conversation mm. very easily. Very true. The, trying to figure out how to get your, your, your idea, to concept, concept into a, a prototype, an yeah. actual 3D model, physical prototype. So then we went into prototyping. We, we, we did, I don't know, about... I think we went through probably two to three hundred different types of uh, earphone speakers from samples and wire combinations with earphone speakers to figure out what was the best way. And it wasn't all at one time; it was just developmental testing to figure out what would work Over with what conversation. Of time. Exactly. We saved a lot of money. We didn't take any major loans no, or didn't anything take any like major that. Loans, no investors. We did it through time, yep. and wow. so we could have saved a lot of time and spent a lot of money. Exactly. But instead, but, we did it just instead of spending a lot of money, we spent a lot of time. So the way we make it is we have it on our we have time on our side because no one else is making them the way we do. We can't tell you how we make them because it's just it's it's trade secret, you know. But at the same time, we could tell you that you're unless you take a vice to them, you're not going to crush them. You're going to have to really work. You're going to have to be able to beat the ever living God Almighty out of it to get it to break because it's you're, no normal operation is going to break it. Mm. Unless you run over it with a Bradley and pivot steer, you're not going to break them. Right. And I kind of want to do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they offered me a tank to run them over with at the Air Force place, but I was like, ah, those break up like pavement, so I'm yeah, pretty sure exactly. those will break up those. But yeah. so now we're we're at the point where we're gonna shoot a production video, like a commercial, like a like a couple different spots, and then we're gonna I want to do a uh, light launch. Will and I have discussed doing a light launch of a, of a 
certain amount of product. We haven't decided how exactly how many we're going to do because we still have people that we need to have out for not so much testing to see if it works, but testing to see if it fits their niche, you know? Their unit. Um, yeah. Exactly. So we're going to have a few that we're going to hold off to the side, and then we're going to launch, and we're going to try and sell a certain number and go from there, and every bit of the proceeds will go back into the development of the company. You know, that's and that's how it has to go. Rather than living on that bougie lifestyle, because look what we made. We made a certain amount of money. Now we're going to be cool. No, 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 no. Now we made a certain amount of money. We're going to make more of these monies. <laughs> so, now, as, yeah, that makes sense. Now, as far as if you're one of those guys out there looking at selling to the uh, government or anything like that, again, you need to look at the SBIR before anything else because the SBIR could very well fund your entire project. Start S to finish. Yes, SBIR, S-T-T-R. So as far as the SBIR goes, you can um, have a lot of money thrown at you, and as S-T-T-R goes, that is a slightly different version from the SBIR because if the manufacturing or designing is beyond your ability, you can actually work with government labs and bring your product to life. And that's where STTR is going to be your bread and butter. But if you have an idea, you think you can do it and you show it to, uh, the army has SBIR, the air force has SBIR. So does the Navy coast guard so far. Now, the reason why I recommend the air force over other ones is because the air force gets the most of the money. Right. And uh, have most the agencies underneath them. So as far as like the Air Force is considered, NASA falls underneath them. Space Force falls underneath them. A couple of the acronym agencies fall underneath them. Mm. And so they have the biggest chunk of the cash. And they have the best programs to help you develop and design your stuff. So outside of just Twenterprise to actually test a pro project or anything like that, there's another program that the Air Force has called AFWorks. A-F-W-E-R-X. And as far as AFWorks is considered, there are labs across a ton of Air Force bases across the United States. The closest one to us right now on the East Coast, where we're at in North Carolina, is over by D.C., over by the Pentagon. But they will actually, they have labs there with it, where they will help you develop and design uh, your, your program or whatever it is that you have going on. And you still get to keep majority of the rights of your project cool thing about our government is a lot of people are afraid of working with the government and stuff like that or big corporations or companies because they are stuck in this idea that uh big companies are out to screw you and take all your money well a cool thing about our country is is that we have a ton of laws against crap like that so in fact what i found with working with the air force actually is that they give you a a type of patent where you have 20-year protection on your technology that you develop with the Air Force. Wow. And they will do it all hand-in-hand hand with you, teach you everything, because the whole thing about this program isn't just about the Air Force or the military getting a new piece of technology. It's actually about bettering the economy for the entire country. So think about that. When you design something with these guys, you're not just designing your, 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 your piece or your equipment. But you are literally now a key component for the economy of the freaking country, right. which is just amazing to be a part of. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you guys have an incredible product. Where, where, where can you find this at? 
So right now, so (laughs) Jesus, it's getting late. It's it's getting that time. So you can check us out on, uh, yeah, you can check us out on Capella, uh, CapellaAudio.com. You can see our actual web page there. We're like I said, we're not up for sale yet. We're we're getting there, and we'll definitely be putting that out as soon as you look at it. Uh, As soon as we're ready to launch, we'll we'll be doing a crowdfund launch for uh, like the first four to six hundred sets or something like that. CapellaAudio.com. You can hit us at Facebook. And then you can hit us at, uh, at the, the Insta and, and, and the YouTubes. Well, we don't have a lot of videos on YouTube. We need to uh, yeah, develop, but we need to do some more on that. And uh, mm-hmm. the YouTube has us at what's the what's the YouTube channel there? Capella Audio. Okay, so it's Capella Audio YouTube. <laughs> I haven't done a lot forward. of work on that one. And then, yeah, yeah, YouTube's so more my baby. The Insta is that's what I was like. We don't have YouTube. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Shut up, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're we we're also a full on, series of instructional <laughs> right, videos. Right. Yeah, I literally exactly. have like ten videos. <laughs> exactly. And then so if you go to the uh, the Instagram, it's Capella Audio at on Instagram. Cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, just go on there, take a look. And here's another thing: if you guys have any questions, okay, you literally have the subject matter expert on these SBIRs and all these fundings. Oh, and programs. dude, I want to teach people. I want to learn. So you. that's what I'm trying to tell yeah. them: is just yeah. hit us up, shoot us a message on the Insta or on the Facebook. It's probably your easiest way to do it. Or go to go to CapellaAudio.com and take take a look and throw us a like on those on those different sites. Help us get our word out, and yeah. and we'll. we'll We'll do what we can. If you're interested in, in developing your own personal uh, devices or whatever you're trying to do as far as getting this out there, your product out there, hit us up, man. We're all about helping you guys out. That's what Lateral Concept Development, our LLC, is literally about trying to help people gain ground and, and get out of where they are at and make their product a better thing. Lateral Concept Development. Yeah, that, so. that's one thing that I found about Twinterprise is that being able to add a, a bunch of different programs that they didn't even know existed to each other. And I want to bring more soldiers and people that don't know that and, and combine it together because it, it's amazing how many good things that are out there that a lot of you guys have no idea exist. So if you need any help, we're here. Awesome. Well, guys, really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. No, thanks for having us. Yeah, man. we really appreciate being able to come out here, hang out with you guys for the evening, have a beer or two and uh and talk with y'all and Yeah. Remember it's most important that we remember these times, you know, not only in combat but our life before, life after. You guys are doing some tremendous things and uh some things that we'll be looking forward to in the future. Exactly, man. Like I said, it's it's not about what's going on in the past, it's about what's next. Right. What's next? It's all we need. You always need to be looking toward the future. Yeah. Heck yeah. I hope you have us on here again, man. Yeah. Yeah, Anytime, man. Mm -hmm. Just hit us up. You bet. Appreciate you coming on. We got plenty more stories. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt that. Stay away from those. We'll get that on a different time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For all you listeners out there, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. All platforms available. And most importantly, don't forget our legacies are the mission. This has been the Veterans Project Podcast with our founder, Tim Kay. Check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook, The Veterans Project, and Twitter at Project underscore Veteran. Thanks for listening. And don't forget, our legacies are the mission.